you've got 90 minutes, then our time is free. On the Music Relic Podcast, with Mark Perry. So pull up a chair, have a cold one or two. Have a seat in the shade, you've got it made. That's what we do, cause we talk about music. What we listen to it could be something old, new, barred or blue. Cause that's what we do. If you got 90 minutes, then our time is free. On the Music Relish Podcast with Mark and Perry. Well, hello. Hello out there. Welcome to Music Relish Podcast, episode 30 with Mark, Lou, and Perry. <laughs> Hi, guys. How you doing? Hey. Oh, Perry. That's, uh, Bring in Perry. You know, you that's a nice country song. You know, we have a, I think we have a little conversation about some country music today, too, right? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Yes. I, like country, I like country music. So do I. Yep. Mm-hmm. So do I. Well, we're going to cover, we're going to tackle some subjects tonight. But, uh, Lou, you have a nice topic to lead off with, right? Yeah. It's kind of antagonistic. It's called The Biggest Assholes in Rock and Roll. <laughs> and we're I'm from curious. Jersey. So I'm it's very appropriate. Uh, what? What? what you you got a problem we, with it? Do we get to comment on them? Of course. Of course. Right. And, um, it's funny because in the last couple episodes of our friend Scott McLean's uh, mm-hmm. Milk Crates and Turntables podcast, a certain name has popped up. I'm not going to say the name because he is on the list. Um, and the term is like the biggest asshole, the biggest douchebag in rock and roll. So yeah. everyone's got their own list, but he's a big old douchebag. A douchebag. <laughs> douchebag. As long as I can remember, there's always been a douchebag in rock and roll. <laughs> What's a Dutch bag, Perry? Lord and Lady Douchebag. <laughs> uh, the, so, Earl, uh, the Earl uh, of Douchebag. <laughs> Sirloin of Beef. Because <laughs> uh, it's always better to be an asshole than a whole ass, right? That's right. <laughs> okay. So my number one list, and I, I, I called these from different sources, different lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number one is Mike Love of the Beach Boys. <laughs> it's like the Agreed. biggest jerk in the biz, right? Okay. So we are unanimous on Mike Love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> I, I remember seeing that clip where he called. What did he say about Mick Jagger? Doesn't have balls enough to. Uh, what did he they're say? two. They're two chicken shit that jam with the Beach Boys. Yeah, or something. Right. and and the really? great thing was that they were. He didn't know Mick Jagger was there apparently, right? Oh. Uh, In the house, so they're on stage <laughs> afterwards. Oh man, I, I, I think he was wearing a silver a silver hard hat. It was just some <laughs> weird, some weird head device, you know. Uh, and I think he was trying to interact with uh, Mick after, you know, during that show, they were playing a oh. Beatles song. I saw her stand in air or something, you know, and uh, oh, okay. Mick just well. ignored him perfectly. You know? <laughs> and even, even throughout the history, um, and well, actually, I read something because uh, I think the website was called, um, uh, <laughs> it's um, Sad and Useless Humor website. <laughs> um, so th- this was a, a, a quote about Mike Love. Um, without Brian Wilson, he would be playing Trash Man covers at some tacky casino in Reno. Like the Trash Man headline. True. Picture Michael Love singing Surfing Bird. <laughs> I think that's pretty clever. Yeah. Um, also, um, a Total Tool, 
He'd sue his own mother if he thought he could make some money. Off yeah. <laughs> and oddly enough, he was Absolutely. like he was the only one in the band like without a pretty voice. You know, yeah, as far as well, the Wilson brothers, even um, Dennis, because I listened to Pacific Ocean Blue um, recently. He, he could sing. It, it, yeah, he could sing. It's a really good album. And yeah. he even had some little little like solo things early on. Um, he might have had a more rock and roll voice than than both Carl and yeah, Brian. Yeah, but I think uh, so. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Carl Carl was the golden voice of the of the Beach Boys, though. Um, yeah, to, yeah, in my mind, he is their lead singer. Yeah. Was always Carl. God only um, knows. Yeah, God only knows. Yep. Um, Darling, that is a hard ass song to sing, man. That's yeah. a high key. Yeah, that's um, that's a, like a yeah, that's a nice uh, sort of soulful uh, yeah. little right. Oh yeah, yeah. Darling, yeah. I think you called it Italo Rock at one point, but now maybe it is. But do you know who's playing drums? No. Hal Blaine. Hal Blaine, huh? All right. It's going to guess it. Hal <laughs> Blaine. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ooh. I know. You're in no, trouble no. now, Perry. May I tell you about him? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we're going to we're gonna cover that on uh, – we're going to do a Wrecking Crew uh, episode. Yes. Or yeah, not, right? Can't yeah. wait. Yeah. We're going to get that should be a... The whole show will be about the crew. Yeah. Maybe that should be a Spotify show because YouTube uh, won't let us play any other people's songs. Yep. Yeah. Well, we have we have a, a Burt Backrack special coming up soon. Yes, yeah. we do. Yep. Yes. Okay. In honor of um, Burt Backrack. But anyway, okay. uh, go back ahead, to Lou. the crowd. Other yes. other big assholes in rock and roll. So a hey, lot of people, hey, Lou, can, yeah, can yeah, I mention one thing about Mike Love that I always know? Sure. Sure. I'm not a guy that says style. You don't have to have style. But Beach Boys, like every other band, they would go with the styles. You know, it's clothing. Didn't Mike yeah, Love yeah. always look out of character? Like, look at the cover of Pet Sounds. He just looks like he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Or if, yeah. if they were to wear nudie suits. He would be like just totally out of. Yeah. He, he's not yeah. a rocker. He's not a rock and roller. No, uh, there, and he can't dance. There, there's something ultra <laughs> square, square about him. We're talking yeah. like Four Corners Man here. Yeah, we're yeah. talking like a major parallelogram. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I wish I thought I wish I got like the little lines that come out of my fingers. We're on a podcast. <laughs> we're on a podcast, so no one knows what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was. He was definitely. He was always like reluctant, reticent. The whole. Pet sounds thing. I mean, the other guys were probably less so, but he thought it was just a major mistake. And the pet yeah. sounds is what, what, what it's like a masterpiece or something they call that masterpiece. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. In fact, he was kind of making fun of it. Like there goes Brian with his pet sounds again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's how yeah. they came yeah. up with the title. I will say this about Mike Love though: he has a distinctive voice. Does yeah. You know, he falls into the baritone yeah. category. Um, he he wrote a lot of those lyrics, so whatever he sued for, he was probably due. he got ten million from yeah. Brian. Brian <clears throat> Brian gladly paid him ten million. Yeah, it, it seems yeah. it seems maybe it wasn't yeah. even Brian doing it. The lawyers, the business. This just shows another. We keep going on about how yeah. dirty yep. the bit and this difficult the rock and yeah. the, the music business is. But he got ten mil. He got ten. Yeah. Okay. And probably future royalties too. Yeah. yeah. But also, like you know, some of those things too, like in those Beach Boys books, if they're whatever's true, is that yeah, the, him and his whole family they were very manipulative. And at one point, one of one of Mike's brothers was Brian's bodyguard, and really? they were not a good they were not a good influence. You know. Mm. Okay. Um. No. So, okay. So let's move on. A uh, simple as that Bono is an asshole because of his pretentious attitude. And we don't have to waste too much time on it. I mean. I, I think he's a sincere artist. You know, he well, he's striding. He was full of himself. That's okay. How about yeah. this one? Gene Simmons. Absolutely. Asshole. Oh, yeah. Asshole My or no? Biggest asshole in rock. Asshole. No, uh, no you're, denying you're that. No denying yeah. that. <clears throat> when you say no musician <throat> enjoys what they do and you're, yeah. they're only doing it because it's their job, 
maybe that may be you, buddy, but there's a lot of musicians you know, you that are how, playing songs. You see how angry Mark got? <laughs> yeah. Really? He got his Irish up. <laughs> yep. No, no, I had a chiropractor that lent me his, his first book he wrote, and he was going about the rock and roll life, and his goes, I should write a book called Women Are, Women are From Mars, Men Are From Penis. <laughs> like, okay, dick. All right. Okay, so Gene Simmons, asshole. Absolutely love, agree. Love. You know, kind of. I, I don't kinda. like that. There's two whole albums. One sounds a lot like Nirvana, and one sounds a lot like Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah. she's very um, conveniently uses people, but uh, and I've heard she is nasty. I don't know enough about her, you know. But yeah, I just yeah. I recently heard her. I look uh, better as an actress. I heard a Mark Maron. Yes. I heard Mark Maron's podcast, and she was the she was the interview. She was the guest. Uh-huh. And she's all over the place, man. All uh, she's all over the map. She doesn't seem to even make any sense, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, as far as people think, there's this camp where some people think she killed Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Well, I don't I know. know about that. I don't think she's I, I got don't. that in her. She's. I, I would. I, I would believe no. that she took some songs and claimed them as her own. You yeah. Know, then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Perry, is your phantom power on? Yes, it is. All right, I moved away. Okay, how's that? Okay, okay. Yeah. That, that's fine. I was just wondering. Okay, um, yeah. Okay, so uh, moving on, moving on. Billy Corgan. Um, <clears throat> I I kind of know what you mean. Yeah, he's he's a he's into himself. I think you know yeah. he's yeah he's a well, bit. Uh, the website I looked at. It, someone said like what he does. He has a blog, but you have to pay to see his blog. Oh, and I, I'm yeah. not thinking, he seems to be getting more points of being more pretentious than actually like, maybe difficult to work with, I think. Yeah. He, yeah. Just like maybe a little, like you said, too fully yourself. And he, he straddles that line. Sometimes, sometimes you're a rock star. Sometimes, he, sometimes he's a lovable nerd. And then other times <clears> he just puts me off. Like when he reforms yeah. Smashing Pumpkins and everybody in the new band looks suspiciously like the former members. Come on, buddy. You know, it's yeah. like, but I did. Mm. I did. Yeah. Um. He did get that guitar back. The uh, what was that big album that they had? The uh, Gish. I think it was Collie and the Infinite Sadness. I think there was a. He had a record called Gish, and the Stratocaster got stolen. Gish. Yeah, yeah, and the Stratocaster got stolen, and he recently got it back. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about him as far as his personal but, stuff. I, I know they were big. Barry, you used to call and you said they were an arena rock alternative band. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, 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 that's not a detraction in my mind. That was definitely, that was, they had a big sound. It was produced. They had a great drummer. Uh, was it Jimmy Chamberlain? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great, great drummer. Great yeah. Drummer. Okay. How about this one? I think we all, all agree. Both the Gallagher brothers from Oasis. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Now, well, interesting. Side assholes. <laughs> interesting. From what I from what I've read lately, uh, on my news feed. Now I don't know if this is Scott McLean or Jack Calabrese. Maybe it was Scott that said they're going to get back together. Jack. Apparently, they're oh, getting Jack. back together for the first time in fourteen years. No shit. Scott's yeah. buying the tickets then. So if you throw enough money at them, they'll do yeah. it. You know, yep. you know yeah. what makes them biggest assholes? They like Manchester City. <laughs> you you soccer hooligan. So uh, you know, and so I I was talking to somebody about it, and he said, anyway. "Oh, they're gonna beat the shit." I said, "No, they're 15 years older now, man. They can, you yeah, know what I mean? On. They can't." Yeah. You know, they're, they're probably over that now. But Oasis may be getting back together again, first time in 14 years. It. Yeah, I was planning. I, 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 get, it. I knew it was gonna happen. I, I guess that leaves hope for the Kinks. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't know. Well, you said it was Jack Calabrese that always said they would get back together. Yeah. Because Scott, Scott had Scott the uh, bet. Says, I'll no, buy the right? tickets. Yeah. Well, we shall see. Start saving. But you're right. Those guys bug me, Lou. Yeah, those brothers. Yeah. <laughs> On to further assholes. Yes. I this, um, Phil Spector. Mm. Not only an asshole, but a yeah. murderer. But a weirdo, too, yeah. <laughs> the total flake. Yeah. The total flake. But, you know, if, if you brandish your gun at people over 30 years, eventually that gun's going to go off and stuff. But Yeah. Yep. Know, his genius aside, because we've been covering the wrecking crew. Yeah. We do our yep. own wrecking crew. I mean, he, he's just as much in that as Hal yeah. Blaine or anybody else. I mean, Brian Wilson. Genius. Yeah. Yep. Brian, yeah. Brian yep. Wilson. Yeah. The Ramones. <clears throat> yeah. He's also worthy. He's worthy of a show, you know, but the whole thing, you know. Yeah. And the, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, when they inducted him. They, well, they, they said his image was tarnished by the fact that he murdered someone. It didn't give res- full respect to the fact that the guy. The guy oh, was, so he never he never got inducted until he was actually in jail. And uh... if, if it wasn't that, there was some kind of award. That uh, good, good question. Some kind of award that he was given. Yeah, um, yeah. No, no, no. Maybe it's like in Rolling. No, Rolling Stone did a, a ret- retrospective on him um, and said that you know they didn't give full impact of the yeah. fact that you know he he just in cold blood murdered but, somebody. but a narcissist nonetheless yeah oh. so you're right he's the he's the megalomaniac yeah. he's a jerk yeah yeah how about this one um he, he might be my number two ted nugent mm-hmm yeah, yeah i mean yeah a crap musician too i'm sorry if you like Ted Nugent, I'm overrated sorry. guitar player in my, in my opinion well we, overrated yeah guitar players say that too like you said you know five positions and you know the, the whole i mean how many great songs has he written Except for that, I don't know if he wrote it, but that the M Boy Dukes, "Run Along If You Can," dun, yeah, dun, dun, yeah. Dun, that's a great song. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, you're right. Everyone on the on social media that goes, he's the best guitarist. You can tell when they're saying it; they're not guitar players. And it's fine if you don't play guitar and you like his soloing. But yeah, over, he, he was good. on he was on Imus like one time when Imus was on MSNBC, and he was saying, "I am the best guitar player in the world." And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, dude. Any guitar player says that's an asshole, right? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I'm like, come on, dude. You know? But I did see you're right. He's a he's an asshole because I mean, I saw him interviewed one time years ago, and he was saying, you know, one time he goes, Jimi Hendrix offered me a hit of a joint, and I told him, no way. Like, so what? <laughs> you know, like, so what are you saying Square. that Jimmy's a piece of shit because he had a joint in it? You know, you know. <laughs> what a what a now there is one no, there's one we, song of his that comes on the radio i never turn off i do like stranglehold that is a good song i gotta admit it's, it's probably it's probably the best thing yeah yeah um i don't think you're right you couldn't write wang dang sweet poontang now i don't think and, and you shouldn't and they shouldn't have written it then because it's just a bad song Hey, I saw him no, live we, we, and i tell you he's a jerk yeah he he's did. an asshole yeah was he in damn yankees Yes, he's he the was. one during that beautiful ballad, Higher. All you hear is whammy oh, bar dive bombs. That's Ted Nugent. <clears throat> Ruin the song. Wow. That band was that band was put together to do nothing that was to make money. And to churn money, yeah. yeah. Yep. I've been okay. I've been criticized for saying Higher is a great ballad. All right, so you can all just pick on me. Mm, I I, like you know, I let I that go, Mark. That. I, I was ready to jump. <laughs> I was ready to jump because that is not a good song. But anyway, <laughs> it's a, it's a Tommy Shaw classic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. How about this for asshole? And I'm not sure. Glenn Danzig. <clears throat> you know where he's about from? Him. You know where he's from? Jersey. I, right? I think he's it's Lodi. Lodi, New Jersey. I think yeah. it's Lodi, New Jersey. Well, that yeah. makes yeah. him an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now Lodi stands for something. Well, I'm not going to say it here. It's an acronym. <laughs> it's an acronym. Yeah. 
I'm not going to um, say it either because I live, no, no, um, I live right um, nearby. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I don't live there anymore. Um, the, 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 the quote was, he thinks he's the devil, and apparently he's, he's a real diva. Like, really? he canceled the gig yeah. at the last minute. He, he did yeah. like the venue. And wasn't he going to be the lead singer of The Doors? Was that him? Like, what, did he get offered that? Was that him? Ian Asbury from uh, the Oh, Ian Asbury. Yeah. 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 He might have wanted to do it. Yeah. But you're right. He, he's... He's a he's an idiot. He's a jerk. Mother! Yeah. Oh, he is. <laughs> yep. Okay, how about this one? Um, this is like my number three. Axel Rose. Oh, Axel Von Douchebag. Oh, what a yeah. douchebag. Come on, man. I mean, he's the worst thing about that friggin' band. I, I like the band. I, I never liked him. He ruined the band for a lot of people. Yeah. He ruined them with uh, all his... That, that, what makes all his talk? Here's here's what makes him an asshole to me. That whole story with Metallica when James Hetfield and, yeah, and it was yeah. relayed by the band. Hetfield got burned there at the Montreal yep. Forum. They had to leave the stage, and all Axel had to do was put on a good show, and right. he walked off stage because of the mic or something. And yeah, like, diva, a diva, and it started a good. riot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And I, I I never liked his voice. To me, it sounds me like neither. Curly from the yeah. it's Curly from the Three Stooges. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking uh, Rosemary oh, Clooney. Oh, 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 oh. That's one of the worst voices in Don't rock and roll, man. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, he, he did personify that that teenage bad boy thing. You know, he's like the high school bad boy, you know. Yeah. Bad boy. He's and, a and bad boy. And for a lead singer. He's a good boy. For a lead singer, he moves stupid. He has stupid moves. Those, a lot of them did. Who's you know? that sideways with the mic move? Was that Brett Michaels? or uh, Who did yeah. it, was like, it, was like, it was like the Rockettes or something. Yeah. Another Another <laughs> asshole moment with him. Aerosmith's <clears throat> final tour stop of the permanent vacation tour, their big comeback. They were yeah. at a giant stadium in New Jersey with uh, Deep Purple sure. and Guns N' Roses were young then, you know, and they filmed the second half of the Paradise City video at at the show I was at. They came hmm. out and a couple people didn't like him or something. They were just giving him the finger. And he goes, he's like telling the whole place, go home. If you don't like us, go the fuck home. And I'm like, you're the opening band, you know, wow. shut the fuck up. I, <laughs> so I had the whole, the whole show. I, I was pretty close. I just had my middle fingers up. I remember yeah. I, if he bothered me, rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. I, I guess in, in the showbiz There's, sense that if you make that kind of noise, I mean, they, they, he got attention from it. Just like yeah. the, the Gallagher brothers, you know, Liam, you know, yeah. It's, you know, if, if you act that part, there's always going to be that role for someone to play in, in yeah. rock and roll. The, yep. the, the snotty bad boy. Yeah. You just yeah, know he yeah. was taking limo rides everywhere, too. You know right. that. Yeah. <laughs> and already, um, when, the, when the Gallagher's, he also canceled the tour because he was house shopping. <laughs> well, oh, boy. Ex excuse me. Excuse rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay, how about, how about so let, let's move further. Um, I've heard bad things about Morrissey. <laughs> Air conditioning. No, I'm, I'm, him, I'm trying to leave politics out of just about everything, but um, he's made some controversial comments. Apparently, he's he can be really nasty to former people. He, his, his reputation as a person maybe is not all that sterling, um, just based upon personality. I, you know, I, this is this is kind of fluff, but you know, it's like I haven't read enough. People. I haven't read enough about Marcy. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I really like a couple of songs. I love so, him as an artist. Yeah, sure. Of course. So do I. Uh, I. I heard he's a diva. If everything's he's not got, perfect, yeah. I have a go-to Marcy yeah. song. It's <laughs> like, every day feels like Sunday. Every day feels like... It's a beautiful song, man. Sure, yeah. yeah. And as far as... He can sing. I, I mean, I, I have read stories about, like, where if they sell meat at the venue, he won't play or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You well, know, the so, whole thing about uh, likening eating meat to, like, a baby abortion. I'm like, okay, come on. I don't know. 
Yeah. But at the same time, when you have such compassion for animals, yet sometimes your reputation for people is not quite the same. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that, I mean, that's almost like a red yeah. flag for something where Absolutely. You, you value, yeah. you value something that, you know, it is, you know, we can discuss whether animals have souls. Okay. As a whole. Dogs so, have souls. Anyway. Yes. So as they far do. as Marcy, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. How he about can be, this one? Uh, yeah, he can be a little. Uh, Both Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth. Uh, I, I'll take Eddie. I won't agree personally. I don't agree <clears> with the thing on Eddie because I think Eddie's problem is when he drank, he was an asshole. Yeah. But an otherwise, asshole. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Asshole it's like cocaine; asshole. it brings out whatever you are. True. Well, I got to tell you, I've only I've only heard, read, and seen interviews with David Lee Roth, and yeah, he comes off as a real jerk. Hmm. Eddie, I've never really, really seen, or you know, even you know, I read an interview yeah. with him once, maybe that's it's it. Right. But David is all over the place. David he, Roth, he had like yeah. a nervous breakdown. Eddie, something happened to him in the '90s, and he changed like. Yeah. He was a shy guy when Ross yeah. was in the band, and I think that it was yep. at some point he said, "No, it's me and Alex's band," and he took charge and he ruined like a good that. relationship like with uh, Sammy Hagar, though. You know, he threw, he you know, and then yeah. uh, those stories. But again, when he drank, he was just unbearable. Yeah, I, I think his Eddie's thing was insecurity and also a lot of pressure. Yes, but yes. the thing was, I remember reading yeah. early interviews with them on tour where you know David Lee Roth, you know, those lyrics, you know. That makes yeah. sense a lot of those early Van Halen songs, but it ain't Shakespeare, you know what I mean? Where Eddie yeah. was yeah. reinventing something. David Lee had the, the showbiz thing where it was a little more easy, I think, for him. Yeah. yeah. So when David Lee, Eddie said David Lee would like bang on his door, hotel door, like seven in the morning, going, I'm going roller skating in the park. And Eddie's been up all night drinking, probably, mm -hmm. but writing the next three albums, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Saying, you know, we're not in the same yeah. wavelength. And David Lee Roth would say, well, you're not living your life right. Yeah. That's something it's hard to say to another person. You're interesting you know. that you said about wavelength because, you know, Mike Love, when he, when Brian Wilson. The biggest was, asshole in rock and roll, you mean? Was doing pet sounds. He's like, come on, we got to do cars and girls, man. Cars and girls. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Dude, that's, yeah. that's, that's over, dude. You yeah. Know? That's right. Moving on. Yeah. So, so, on. so when Roth and, and Eddie were able to work it out, it was a good dichotomy at work because Roth was the showman. He got the band popular with his antics and Eddie was there writing great music, you know, but it was bound to yeah. just yep. fizzle out, you know? Yep. Okay. How about this one? Fred Durst from <laughs> Limp Bizkit. Oh, yes. Ruined Woodstock, I think. <laughs> I don't like that guy, man. I never did. Never did. I, yeah. Uh, that, that whole period of like late 90s rock, I, I didn't, I was not into it. What are they um, like? Rap metal or something? Yeah, Mark, Mark, what you, Mark, Mark's, was, Mark's a young one of the bunch. What do you think? I don't know, do you know. I don't know if it was considered part of that new metal and you, which was corn, and I love corn. Um, what I don't like about Fred Durst is he was into destruction. So, like at Woodstock, oh, okay. so uh, up in Rome, New York, he was like, destroy, destroy. Really? Can't be like that. that Come him. on, you know, uh, like the yeah, venue's really. hosting you, you're playing. Why you want to destroy everything? You know. So that's the attitude. I don't. Yeah. Like. Was there a backlash after that because of that? Um, well, he, he's not really responsible for everything, but he had a big part of it. But that, did you ever see the documentary on that? That would stop. I've seen, I've seen clips. Yeah. yeah. Holy yeah. shit. I mean, that Fire. was a disaster. Well, the Red Hot Chili Peppers didn't help either, right? Yeah. Rape. There was rapes. There was, you know, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. No water. No one had water. And they're on the hot tarmac of an Air Force base. <laughs> well, they, they, the prices of water got exorbitant. Everybody was, oh, well. Yeah. 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 But Durst didn't yeah. help. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah, I agree, about the, I agree with the Fred Durst thing. Yeah. Yeah. How about these two? Glenn Fry and Don Henley. <laughs> well, <laughs> artists, they're listed separately, but they're a partnership. They're a partnership. Artists, 
good true artists, but they had yeah. that asshole side. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was definitely like kind of cutthroat. Now, the clip I saw said that Glenn Fry screwed over Don Felder. I don't think that's the case. I think Don, I mean, they were greedy. They were greedy, but they yeah. wrote. They wrote all those fucking songs. I mean, yeah. I mean, every songwriter has a different story to tell about that. You know, the and, guys and in the I, band might say, well, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think we should all be included in every, every royalty, every yeah. co-write. You know, if you didn't write the song, maybe you shouldn't. You know, although he denies role. it. What's that? Excuse me. As, although Don Felder denies it, I do believe he requested to sing one or two songs on every record. I believe oh, sure that. Yeah, mm, sure yeah. did. And, yeah. And the thing was, I don't, I, I, I'm saying, I, I, in my opinion, he couldn't do it. You know, the one song he had on one of these nights visions, you can hear him in there, but the guys were coming to his rescue. So like, well, yeah. why bother? You know, yeah. That's, yeah. that's vanity. If I was him, I would say, you know, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I mean, yeah. No, he sang, he sang backups really good and they were in sure. for their yeah. harmonies. He was, he was actually very good on the harmonies, but yeah. He wasn't no Bernie Ledden, but he was uh, yeah, yeah. he was okay. I, in reference to Don Felder, the proof was when he put out a solo album. It just wasn't that good, you know? No, now, that's, that no. that song, Heavy Metal, that he did for that animated thing. Was that him singing on that? No, him assisted by Don Henley. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. I, I, yeah. thought it was a Don, I thought it was a Eagles, either an Eagles outtake or a Don Henley solo record because he put out his first solo record. Don, Don had the, the most, you know, right out of the shoot, of the Eagles, Don Henley was, yeah. he didn't miss a beat. He didn't miss yeah. a beat. And he also, he also was more, taking more risks with all the keyboards and yeah. everything on the, you know, granted, synthetic keyboards and, you know. Well, what, sure. But, but he took some risks, you know. I yeah. where Glenn Fry was, you know, Chuck Berry, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a chug a leg party rock. Right, um, yeah. Even on Don Henley's first album, like Johnny Can't Read, that's like, that's like a new wave song. Yeah. Yeah, Johnny yeah, yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so, but at the, at the same time, I think having seen the Eagles documentaries, I, I, I said I came across liking Glenn Fry a lot more than I thought. He, he was being very honest, you know, saying, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, if you know, this this is what we do, and I don't think he, you know the pressure, whatever there was for them to be what they were, I don't think it was unreasonable. It was just the egos that I think yeah. and they were the corporations and the and the long run. I wouldn't know, but apparently when you do coke, you turn into an asshole. You know, like, yeah. I, and I, if you're I, an I, asshole, you the asshole. Exactly. Um, the, I understood Glenn Fry musically. I, I always thought he was kind of different. <clears throat> I was like, eh. when I found out that he was, I didn't know he was from Detroit, and he grew up under the tutelage, basically, of Bob Seger. Yeah. So he he had that influence. And then I kind of got where he was coming from. He was kind of like the outcast of the band in a way. Yeah. yeah. This is cool. I, I actually last night I saw an Eagles clip. I never saw it before. I don't. I don't even know the name of the song. It's a Bernie Ledin's playing banjo and singing most of it, and Glenn Fry's trying to play guitar, but he looks out of place. And it was his band, in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. They, they, they always said Glenn Glenn Fry was the um the coach. Don Henley was the star quarterback. That was the dynamic between the two. Wow. Stars. Yeah. Hmm. He, oh, he Glenn Fry was, Henley more was rudimentary on the piano and yeah, uh, but uh, Don I was saying Geffen knew it further. Henley had the golden voice. Yeah. So, but you know, he but he provided the lyrics, so it was a, it was a good balance between the two. But yeah. he knew yeah. he could sing a. Fry yeah. knew that he was gonna sing a couple songs each album, but Henley carried the band. And Henley has from, that memorable voice. Yeah. 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 And then I feel bad the last few years because uh, I have that uh, DVD live in Australia. And I remember Perry, I was telling you once, Glenn Fry just looks pissed off through the whole concert. He was in pain. And I feel yeah. bad saying that. He was in immense pain those yeah. the last 10 years, I think, of his life, rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. So that's why he looked kind of like an asshole. 
Yeah. You know, I feel there, bad there, saying there, that now. There was one of those last tours, though, where um, he's having a good time. You can tell he's, he's hunched over, but there's one of Don Henley's songs from one of Henley's solo albums, and Fry's playing the keyboard, and he's, he's ecstatic. He's loving every minute of it. You know, mm, he was never yeah. jealous of um, Henley's career. And, yeah. you know, <clears throat> the way he praised him in the Eagles documentary, he goes, he goes we had Don Henley. He goes, I sang yeah. that because we had Don Henley. So yeah. him playing, like, on Sunset Grill or something, he was in heaven, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't hold anything against him. How about this one? <clears throat> it's an it's a idol of mine, Ginger Baker. <laughs> yes, a that lovable guy, asshole. That guy was a rude uh, son of a gun, man. Yeah, <laughs> a little acerbic. Yeah, the guy punched this <clears throat> documentarian in the nose. <laughs> no, he didn't play. He hit him in the, hit him in the face with a walking stick. Oh, that's what he did it across the car. Yeah, the guy was in the was, passenger uh, side. Who was, who, who was the uh, Chad Smith? Is the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Yeah. Him and another drummer friend of his went to interview. Um, Ginger Baker, and they're, you know he smokes chain smoking, you know. So they they go and they all smoke too. So Chad Smith goes to light him up. He smacks the uh, smacks a lighter out of his hand. Jesus, like, don't kiss my ass. They laugh about it, you know. They uh, yeah, they laugh and about I, it. I wonder if there was part of that was his his shtick, you know, his defense mechanism. No, I think he was just a rude son of a bitch. Well, he yeah. definitely was. He was yeah. also just one of the greatest drummers ever. The guy was sure. Yeah, I, I can't talk about him enough. I just, I mean, yeah, well, incredible, look, incredible. You brought up that he had a tough childhood, right? <clears throat> his uh, father, his father was he, he was an abused child, basically. You know, yeah. Coley so was, that you could, know, you know, has a big say. Big well, hand it, in the, the abused child was raised in the forties and fifties, where you know you sucked yeah. it up. You know, yeah. Um, but his talent, seventies too. Yeah, and well, what an influence! I mean, influence I made. Like actually, today we're at the spiritual center. We're playing this one song. It's got a tribal thing, and when I'm playing, I'm like, I think I'm doing this wrong. It didn't feel right to me. When I listen back, I'm trying to do "Sunshine in Your Love." I'm trying to do like ah, instead of oh, boom, boom, yeah. I'm trying to, you know, and like I said, it's it's pervasive. Neil Peart said, as a drummer and to other drummers, even even if you never heard of Ginger Baker, you've been influenced by him. I mean, that's that's in there. But yep. at the same time, if, if you saw Beware, Mr. Baker, he was not but, a nice yeah, man, not a nice guy. So I agree with that one. Yeah, or yeah. Foster. Okay, um, let's see. David Crosby. <laughs> I'm torn. I'm torn, I know, too, I because yeah. I never asshole. directly saw the asshole. the asshole side. I always yeah. saw him as – I hear all these stories. An, an essential asshole. Yeah, and he, hear, he, he admits it. He goes, I was yeah. an asshole. He goes, I ruined all my friendships from me being an yeah. asshole. You know, so, yeah, okay. I've heard but, that if you listen to the last ep- uh, interview we did with Howard Stern, it was only like a year before he died. You get a lot of information on the assholeness, so I got to listen yeah. to that. Yeah, I, I was. I was thinking, without him being an asshole, the birds might not have been the birds. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash might not have been what they were if he wasn't an asshole. You know, yeah, he, he, he's the harmony guy. The birds are known for their harmonies and other things, but Crosby, Stills, Nash, the vocals. I mean. When you hear things, when we're so young, we've heard these things when we were so young. You, me, Perry, and Mark too. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it gets ingrained, but it takes a while to appreciate it. And I heard I've been hearing "Helplessly Hoping." That's incredible. Mm. And you can yeah. hear Crosby in there. I mean, he, yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah, he was our harmony guy, but that that was the signature. So maybe he had to be that. Yeah, know? McCartney yeah. had to be the asshole in the Beatles, but an asshole nevertheless. I'm an asshole. That's right. <laughs> You're an asshole. That's right. You're an asshole. Ram it. Ram the biggest sphincter oh, in rock and roll is. Uh, how about this one? Um, Ryan Adams. 
Uh, is he I've one of those some... like when he's drunk he turns into an asshole? Or I've heard some stories. I I I jammed with a guy that knew him and was in a band with him, and, and yeah. he said he's a just a he was just a prick. Like, really? Oh shit! Was he like yeah. dark? Because I always had a darkness. About I've, uh, I like uh, Brian Adams. I'm gonna snotty. have to pass. I'm gonna have to pass because I haven't read enough about him. I mean, I've mm. heard some songs, but um, what's this group? Whiskey Town. Whiskey. Apparently, uh, he was. It was. I don't know if he was like we went to court, but groom, doing the online grooming young women. He's been in contact with young. Women. Oh well, yeah. see, I'm not oh, talking out of school because I did read this, and yeah. apparently it's a documented thing. It was just kind of maybe borderline, but you know, maybe too close to the border and stuff. Okay. But I, I knew yeah. a guy that said and played in the band with him early on. Said you no, know, just you know, very self centered and just well, you know, yeah. I, I have the talent. The talent's a whole other thing. A lot yeah, of ours, yeah. like I said, a lot of our, our, right. our heroes are assholes. Phil Spector, yeah. you could take that aside as to, you know, a massive talent, right? But yeah, genius. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, Ryan Adams, I haven't read enough about, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll refrain from comment, but uh, I, I believe you, I, you know, you've, uh, I've, I've heard this one. Um, Roger Waters, he made this list, a couple lists I saw. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't I, know if it's going to be difficult or just, you know, I, I like them. play. When you play in Roger's band, mm -hmm. you do exactly. There's no democracy in Roger Waters' solo band. And it famously drove Eric Clapton to almost a nervous breakdown. He did wow. the pros and cons of hitchhiking tour. He said, you think I was just riffing, playing guitar. But every solo, because basically that album is uh, Eric's just soloing through the whole album. But Roger was telling Eric what to play. And he Ooh. had to repeat that night after wow. night. Yeah, I happened I... to talk to, through Facebook, you can comment with his current band mm -hmm. and god bless them because they do play the exact same show every night mm -hmm. you know they can do it but it's like a broadway play you know so yeah. uh but yeah right. he's 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 uh th he's he's what do you call it heavy heavy-handed uh my way yeah. or not doesn't so work. he's an arsehole yeah okay arsehole <laughs> a, a dictator a dictatorial yeah and for the record i am a roger waters is my favorite one of my favorites yes yeah and i will admit he's an <laughs> yeah uh, okay how about this one uh, lars ulrich from metallica Oh God! I want to get out of his mouth, man. You know, <laughs> had one his of his face, own fans his arrested. Like... Yes, he did. That's for, for, for like drawing the, the Metallica logo and putting it on a social website, a social media site. Yeah, um, I was thinking of the downloading. <clears throat> he also had that oh, fan. Uh, oh, that other oh, really? One. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, when he took he took a fan to court that drew a Metallica logo and put it on a social media site. You're kidding? Yeah. yeah. And also, he he looks like one of those memes of those angry kitty, the angry cat face. <laughs> Yeah, he had he had a fairly fairly wealthy upbringing, you know, in Denmark. He could have been a tennis like, pro. you know, tennis courts and yeah, yeah and all that. Yeah, which 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 is fine. I mean, you know, I, I don't know which, which is fine too. But he's not that great a drummer. He no, really no, he's isn't. Not. Yeah. He serves no. a purpose for what he does. But yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna go like down, and we're gonna play some music and try and make it. I hate the way he talks. Yeah, I get <laughs> yeah. He, he, he's a serviceable project metal yeah. drummer. Like and because it, it's like he he and James Hetfield are like the Henley and Fry of yeah. Metallica. Yes. So yeah. yes. So they're gonna bump heads. They're gonna yeah. But mm. I agree, man. I think he's uh, he's an ass. Now, I think as far as the Napster controversy, and they sued Napster. If you look back, I mean, all this the streaming has hurt the artist. Absolutely. Yeah. I was torn on that whole thing because I understand from their point of view. What pissed me off was he 
Metallica used to, they were kind of like the Grateful Dead. They would allow fans to record at their shows. And they were known for being great. Like, you could record the stuff, trade it. Overnight, now I see, though, I'm looking back and I'm like, yes, he saw that this could be, like, it's going to hurt our album sales. Mm -hmm. And that's bread and butter to these artists. The bottom line, the bottom line, yeah. Metallica sells a shitload of albums. They sell a lot to this day. Their catalog moves, but with the downloading. So, yeah. And and the whole Napster thing. The fans were assholes. I'm I am so sick of people thinking they can get everything for free on the on the web. I just want to download yeah. it, you know. Like, well, I have a little it. segment uh, later on about that kind of thing too. So uh, okay, yeah. okay. So this so, is good, Lou. So, what else you got? Yeah. Okay, uh, a couple more. Uh, Richie Blackmore, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? A reformed asshole. I hear now he's uh, totally different. When he married, uh, I forget are his all wife's name. Bastards. Yeah. But yeah, he was. He's a moody asshole, and a beer drinker. Uh, apparently he fired Graham Bonner for because Graham uh, Graham Bonner cut his hair. He never had Gra- long hair. Gra- Graham Bonner, yeah, no, he, he was he was one of the few heavy metal hard rock singers that had like a, a short buzz cut, almost like a punk. Uh, how and the this uh, asshole uh, from uh, the band Nickelback, Chad Kroger. Oh yeah, really? Oh, yeah. I, I heard the, that. To write those lyrics, you have to be uh, those asshole. misogynistic lyrics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it when your pants are down to your knees. <laughs> yep. See, I haven't heard enough Nickelback to know about this. <laughs> oh, me uh, neither. But I did. I did. Rockstar. I read an article about his lyrics, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this guy's a whatever man." <laughs> yeah. was he? Must be a smart guy. He's pandering. He's pandering to a constituency that's just eating that shit up, and they're all over the damn world. I mean, they sold some. They sold so many friggin' records. When I saw the the sales numbers, I'm like. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. People who are making fun of them own that record. You know, you know, yeah, well, not not in Portugal. No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Perry posted a, a live thing of um, Nickelback in Portugal asking if everyone's ready to rock. And they're all like, fuck you. So he gives them the finger. <laughs> yeah, and the bottles start flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now, this guy might be the biggest asshole, even more so than Mike Love. Gary Glitter, because he's a pedophile. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, let's not waste any more time, Gary Glitter. Yeah, okay. yeah. Dave Mustaine from Megadeth is apparently a little temperamental asshole. Too. Yeah, yep, yep. Okay. Got himself thrown out of Metallica. Okay, yeah. three more. John Lennon. He could be an asshole. Snarky, snarky, yeah, very yeah. Uh, wise ass. Sledgehammer yeah. wit. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. also bitching, bitching, and moaning about some things about the recording process. Yeah, at the same time, you like say something when you're doing it. Uh. Bloody you know, hell, but, Phil! Uh, come on. Yeah. Well, or after the fact, saying I hate Sergeant Pepper and nothing. I, I didn't like anything about it. Yeah. Just speak up. Speak up when you're doing it. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's uh, an artist named Lily Allen. That's the only woman on the list. Uh, she, she's pretty current. I don't. Oh, no, you had about Courtney her. Love. You had Courtney Love. I had Courtney Love. Yes. But apparently, uh, this artist, uh, she was like um, a post Brit pop. You know, she's like a um, like a MySpace sensation that became famous. But she was heckling Elton John at a concert saying. Your life is basically over, and I've just begun. That's all I heard. Uh, who knows? Yeah. And last on the list, Johnny Lydon from the Sex Pistols. Uh, Johnny Rotten, <laughs> legendary. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I, well, I, you know what? I feel sorry for the guy because he just lost his wife for yeah. fifty, uh, 50 years to yep. Alzheimer's. He nursed her. And I, I read an interview with him, and he says, "I'm just going to stay with her and take care of her because she's not going to recognize me pretty soon." You know. Yeah. And um. When he was Johnny Rotten, yeah, he was an asshole, but he did 
he did mature and got to be like a nicer guy, kind of like became Marco a musician. Said, he actually became yeah. black or became yeah. nicer yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah, I think. But he was when he was Johnny Rotten. Yeah, he was an asshole. Yeah. You know, yeah, there, there's probably a lot of act to that as well. John but, Lydon is probably a nicer guy. Yeah, yeah. good, good point, Mark. Uh, yeah. He he transcended the genre too because. Public Image Limited, you know, um, Ginger Baker played. An, I mean, that's that's yeah. pretty interesting to go from yeah, yeah, the Queen yeah. to playing with the ultimate, what might be considered yeah. the ultimate dinosaur of rock. I mean, Ginger Baker, Cream. I mean, seriously. And yeah. uh, Steve I played guitar on that album. Right, that's like, right. Like a lineup of musicians yeah, and a so. bunch of jazz drummers. Yeah. Were on, a couple other, Omar Hakim, I think. Somebody, some other big oh, really, jazz really. on that okay. album, yeah. Good for him, you know. Okay, so that as far as the assholes. But now we have, we have a flip side of the coin: the nice guys, nice guys and girls of rock and roll. I think this is the, I think this is the total sausage party of a list here, you know. <laughs> but you know, it's what it is. Okay, Dave Grohl apparently is the nicest guy in all rock and roll. Yes, he Dave represents Grohl. rock everywhere. He's almost everywhere. like a, a national treasure. He he's was an Asheville. Ambas- he's an ambassador. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A couple yeah. years ago, he was in Asheville, and a guy I worked with was walking down the street with his wife and daughter. And he, Dave Grohl comes up the street, like in Biltmore Avenue, and sees his daughter and goes, and stops and goes, "Hey, how you doing?" And just doesn't ask for like recognition, just knowing yeah. he could do it because he's Dave Grohl and he's probably feeling right. Good about yeah, Dave Grohl. Anyways, but apparently, yeah, like a, a good guy. He's he's the Keanu Reeves of rock and roll. There you go. Yeah, there you he's, go. It, he, a hard rocker that's inoffensive. Okay, I'm um, Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. I've heard Vincent, uh, since his uh, whole... Vincent Fernay, Fernay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice guy. Yep. Nice guy. I mean, yeah, especially on the golf course. Yeah, yeah, avid golfer. Um, helping people, uh, other musicians with addiction problems. Um, mm-hmm. he helped Dave Mustaine yeah. from Megadeth. He said, "You guys got to stop." Yep. Very instrumental in them cleaning yep. up their act, and and yeah. and went to bat for Donovan. He said, "I cannot believe that Donovan is not in the Rock and Roll Hall." Of Did he really? Yeah. Oh shit! He's really? paying no, on no. billion dollar babies. Yeah, yeah. And that, Donovan should have been on the first ballot the first time. Yeah, yeah I don't know listen. if he is, but he should be. Yeah. Goddamn. Um, I was I was loved Alice Cooper. Um, I I like I like his voice. I was I thought he's yeah. a great singer. I like um, uh, I like some of those records, yeah. Yeah, the Bob Ezrin years, of course. Yep. Um, Dick Dale apparently was known as being one of the nice guys of rock. And really? Rock. The oh, thing was, whenever, cool. yeah. <clears throat> whenever Dick Dale played, it was inevitable. At the end of the night, <clears throat> the band would sit on the stage in the front and talk to anybody that wanted to come. You want an autograph, you got it. Anyone that wanted to talk, no matter what the wow. time, every yeah. single gig, that was the thing he did, you know. So also being such an instrumental guitar player, um, Pulp Fiction, is it Miserloo, Miserloo? Yeah, yep, yep. Anyone who's listening, that is Dick Dale. Oh, listen. Um, apparently, Dimebag Daryl Abbott was a great guy, the, the metal guitar I've player. I've heard that, yeah. And what was the band he was in? I saw like an ignorant fool. Pantera. <clears throat> Pantera. Perry. And the singer was an asshole. Perry, you pulled a metal one out there, man. Yeah, well, I, I, I saw a documentary on how he got killed. Yeah. Club. I, yeah. He was at a club, yeah. Yeah. Um, I hear Slash is a nice guy. Yes, I've yeah. seen him interviewed. Super nice. He was very, on very uh, down to earth. Saul Hudson. Yeah, yeah. Any any yeah. trunk used to have a show on VH1 Classics. That metal show is a great show. And he had Slash on. He comes out and he does the rock and roll voice. Right, he's going. Hey, he's talking. Then when they say the show's over and the cameras are backing up, you hear his mic on. He goes, "Was that good? Was I okay?" He was like that, like oh, a normal okay. guy. You know, yeah. like yeah, yeah. As far as Guns N' Roses, love the band, hate the singer. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. Um, Bruce Dickinson from, <laughs> not the Blue Star Cult producer from the Cowbells kid, but the Iron Maiden lead vocalist. Apparently a Renaissance man, good guy. I don't know. 
flew his band around I'd, the world on the tour. Yeah. Sure, I bet yeah. you he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bono made the good guy list. He made the bad guy, the asshole, and the good guy list. Let's move well, on. I think he's more of a good guy myself. But okay, you know. All right. John Bon Jovi, well, good guy. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. He uh, helps I think, I think those less fortunate. Yeah. Yes, he does. As, as a person, yeah, a grating yes. voice as a singer. But hey, oh, sure. what are you going to do? You know? Yeah, I hear you. I'm never a fan, but at the yeah. same time, like I said, if you hear someone that made that was that successful, and you know, it opens a restaurant, one of those pay what you can restaurants. Yeah, you, really? Yeah, you have a good yeah. Wow. Okay, Bruce Springsteen. I always mm-hmm. say he's a good guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sammy Hagar. I think he's a good guy. That's why I prefer Van Hagar. He's just such a good guy. I've, yeah. I, I've seen his show on Access TV where he goes, like, he's a likable friggin' guy, man. Yeah. 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 He just comes off as likable. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't think he's very hung up or just, he's, like I said, he, he loves right. He yeah. loves He's a rock and roller and stuff. Yeah. Like okay. Um, let's see. Steven Tyler, Joe Perry. I heard they're good guys. Really? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. wouldn't wow. know. I wouldn't yeah. know. Yeah. Apparently, business aside, like nice to hang out with. Um, how? Let's see. Freddie Mercury, good guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. You know, he had a. And he Brian was Liberace. May. He had a bit of a, uh, a, a what do you call it? Uh, what's the word? A diva attitude, but he Prima wasn't Donna, nasty to people. Yeah. yeah. But he deserved he's, to be because he was an opera brilliant. singer. He, he's yeah. brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, I heard the same about Brian May. Same thing as. Intelligent as he is, all that stuff, he's a pretty down-to-earth guy, like, you know, yeah. a human rights activist and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Charlie Watts. Charlie, good guy. No I flies on too. Charlie. No mm-hmm. flies on Charlie. Okay. Although um, he did punch Mick Jagger, right? Had it coming. Had it yeah, coming. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> like what like Keith Richards said in an interview I read before that story became public, he goes, you don't want to be on the, on the end of Charlie's fist. So Keith He's knew. Keith, well, yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, Keith knew he decked them. They didn't become public till later. Uh, another good guy, Ringo. Ringo. No flies yes. on Ringo. And yeah. George. Uh, George Ringo, uh, Ringo puts warnings out there. Do not. He signs no more autographs. Do not. Peace and love. Yeah. He will not sign anything anymore uh-huh. because somebody will get him to sign a, uh, a guitar um, a pick guard. And then they put it on a piece of shit Japanese, uh, you know, a yeah, Chinese yeah. guitar that costs 50 bucks. And they try and sell it for $40,000. He's like, no, yeah. man, no more. He doesn't yeah. sign anything yeah. anymore. But a nice Good guy, time. yeah. Ringo's also 80 years old. He's yeah. on tour. He doesn't need to be shaking hands with people. Well, he was born know. in 1940. He's probably 82. 82. Uh, Going to be 83, yeah. Wow. And his all-star band is a tribute to Ringo. How- you can get all these different musicians together to make a band. Like he just gets these crazy disparate group of musicians. That's a nice guy that can do that. He yeah. gave Billy Squire a chance. Yeah. Yeah. When I mean, Billy Squire needed a chance. Yeah. I remember he, Billy yeah. Squire was, was a bit of a dick about it. Asshole. I heard that too. Yeah. But he <laughs> has, the, he has these groups, these all stars and he has other groups and uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he gives these, he hires these people that maybe need the gig, you know? Yeah. And he's good oh, friends yeah. with Steve Lukather. Yes. Yeah, and and Ringo, Levon, both Rick Danko and Levon were all stars. Uh, mm, probably really? Billy Preston, probably yeah, yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Steve, look at them. Yeah. Todd Rundgren. Um, yep. Okay. Um, Richard Wright from Pink Floyd. I heard good guy. Wow, yes. the late, the late great Richard Wright, the keyboard the late, player, great right? Richard yeah. Wright, yeah, and vocalist, and vocalist at Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Stephen Adler from Guns N' Roses. Apparently, he's a good guy. He can't um, talk anymore, but he's, he's a good guy. Uh, Oh. He's, I, you know, Mark and I had a conversation before we uh, Why? before we got because we were saying about like how Joe Walsh, like I guess 
he just sounds stupid, even though it's, he's it's, not. He's not, but I guess he was so he burnt. He was so burnt out from however yeah. many decades ago that he just sounds burnt. Same yeah. thing with the Stephen Adler. They just sound really burnt. Stephen you know? Adler had a stroke or something. He was on Eddie Trunk's metal show once, <laughs> and he was that. like, <clears throat> "But I think you could just if you party too much, it's not good." Oh wow! <laughs> I, I didn't know. Okay. Oh. <laughs> So he is, okay. Yeah, he he sounded like a nice guy on the show, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. How about Kurt Cobain? I've heard mixed things. I heard he, he was a, he was a difficult asshole. <clears throat> but anyway, I don't think he's worthy. Um, Nick Mason, nice guy. Mm-hmm. Very he's nice. He's a drummer for Pink Floyd. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Elton John, diva mm-hmm. stuff aside, Elton done, he does a lot of stuff for artists who are like upcoming. He's very supportive. Um, yeah, I, I, bet. I, I yeah. That's what, yeah. I, I have a lot of respect for Elton John. I mean, Me too. A true artist, you know. Um, somewhat, I'm, I'm somewhat of a fan. Like I find myself even some of those later day pop songs. I'm like, um, guess that's why they call it the blues. I'm like, in spite of myself, song. that's a really freaking catchy song. You know, the <laughs> melody's is. great. <clears throat> I don't know if that yep. was a Bernie Taupin right. I think it was. Well, yeah. Elton, but Elton wrote the melodies <clears throat> and the and the music. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yep. Okay. Um, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Probably a good guy. Yes. I, 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 you know, I'm glad you said that because I yeah. saw him interviewed, and he was talking about when him and Anthony met in school. He starts crying. No. That's how much it means to him. Oh, yeah. okay. With his old friend, you know. I yeah. mean, the guy was bawling just talking about Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and if anyone disagrees, listen to him on Mark Marin. Check it out. Find out he came off great on that show. Yeah, I had a yeah. lot of respect for him after I so had that interview. I yeah, I bet Flea is a great guy. Yeah. Nice. Yep. <laughs> um from Led Zeppelin, John Paul Jones. Hmm. The quiet strength that. of that band. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The unsung hero of that band. Yes. He you know, was Bonzo, he, he was Paige that keyboard Plank. guy. He was the keyboard guy in all yeah. those songs, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and he was, he's also he was a great arranger. He did so yeah. much arranging before yeah. Led Zeppelin. But the last album, that's his Into album. Into the Outdoor. Into the that's Outdoor, my, right? Yeah. It's my personal it's favorite, favorite album. Because the only one ever owned, Mark. They, they're, they're not copping anything. <clears throat> they're not copping the blues. They're not copying, it's the most original, and that's why it's my personal Interesting. favorite. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I like Carousel Lumber. That's a great song. That's a you know? prog tune, and it's, it's fun okay. to play. Really yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um. I don't know if it's true or not. Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. I have heard that. Okay. okay. Very approachable to his okay. fans. There, yeah. there you go. Um, that, that was the, the, the heroes and villains. The wow. villains and heroes of rock and roll. Well, um, can I add a couple in there? Yeah, throw, throw some. Yeah, please. Right. Throw, throw some <laughs> you, get, you guys are going to kill me. All right. <laughs> He's not on the don't talk list, according to Tom Spallone. So I can mention Stephen him. Wilson. Randy Jackson from Zebra. Okay. Every show I ever saw, if you walked up to him <laughs> and said whatever, he would talk to you. He'd give you the time. During the COVID lockdown, he was online every day doing an acoustic show, and he knew that there were people out there hurting. So he's in his house down in Louisiana doing covers. He would play Bowie. He would play whatever, but he was giving you a free concert every day, and that's a long time for a better part, a little over a year. I mean, and he, he cheered me up because I was depressed, you know? Good guy, all-around good guy. The whole band is nice. They're all great guys, sure, but he's sure. especially nice. And then not rock, but Pat, Pat Metheny. I got to talk to him once. He actually walked up to me to talk because he just likes to talk to people. And I met him when he was really popular. For a while there, Pat Metheny Group was actually a popular group there. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he walked yep. up to me and he talked to me. And it was just like, wow. Yeah. Just totally I've seen approachable. Him He's a nice guy. Yeah. 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 
for as talented as he is, he's he doesn't come off as pompous. You know? No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah, cool. Nice. Do Max you know who, uh, from East Bay. Yeah, you're you're biased on that one. <laughs> I am biased, but uh, having, having <laughs> you're got, right. Yeah, same way. Last time when I saw him at the show in Asheville, I was just like approachable. It's just a yeah. nice man. A nice yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Virtual. Do you know who uh, the producer Chris Thomas is, right? You've heard of the producer Chris Thomas, right? Big time. Yeah. Produced the Pretenders first couple albums and uh, produced a lot of people. He worked on the White Album with the Beatles. Really? Yeah. Hmm. He Apparently, he huh. wrote George Martin and he was asking for a job. So George Martin hired him for Air, which was this company that uh, George Martin and his partner started. And they didn't have the studio yet, but he still worked for him. So George Martin was going on holiday during the White Album sessions. And he told Chris Thomas, he said, make sure you're available for the Beatles. Hmm. And he was. Chris Thomas actually produced about four or five songs on the White Album. Produced them. Uncredited, though, because the credit went to George Martin. Right. But he actually, Chris, uh, Chris Thomas arranged the horns. On Savoy Truffle. Really? He arranged the horns on it and played the electric piano also. Two of the best parts of that song. Yep, yep. That's wild, man. Wow. Yeah, arranged by Chris Thomas. <clears throat> I've and never produced... heard that before. Wow. Yeah. Now, there, I have a few What's more, too. Chris Thomas actually produced um, Continuing Story of Bungalow Bill, hmm. Birthday. He was the, he produced those. Wow. George, George was on holiday. Huh. But of course, George gets the credit for it, right? And yeah. um, he played harpsichord on Piggies, and produced <laughs> oh. that. <laughs> yeah, is, is he a keyboardist by trade? Yeah, yeah, sure. He's a musician. Yeah, yeah. Sure, right, right. And he played the Melotron on Bungalow Bill. Wow. Hey, Bungalow Bill. <clears throat> yep. And he also played the piano on "It's Been a Long, Long, Long Time." Damn. Yeah. Wow. He produced about four or five tracks on the what actually produced them, but didn't get the credit because George Martin got the credit. Hopefully George got, was on he got paid handsomely. I don't know. I don't know. Speaking so of if, getting go ahead, Lou. So if he was working on that, was he young? Is, is he Oh sure, he was young. He yeah, that, 1968, uh, he was young, yeah. You know something, sixty to seventy eight is ten years. That's from thirty to forty. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. Like it seems like, you know, is he 95 now? No, but, but so, so, so after the, that period of the late sixties, what, what happened? Well, he, he still, he was a big producer. He became a producer, you know, he's an engineer. They're all engineers and you know, all that, but he, mm-hmm. you know, he produced the pretenders for, he produced many albums by many people. I, I looked at a discography of his, and it's, you know, it just keeps going on. Elton John, mm-hmm. Pretenders, you know, and band, right. you know, those, all those kind of Did, bands. And uh, Maybe I'm talking out my ass. Uh, didn't he have an association with Island Records, or am I wrong on that? I, I always saw so. his name probably, and connection. Probably did, so. yeah. 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 Oh, Sire, right. perhaps Sire. Uh, Sire, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, by the well, way, so the, it, uh, the, uh, the guy who founded it just died, Seymour Stein. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh. Yeah, you know, yep. uh, uh, Scott Mitter sent me a, a thing about his dying. Like, he signed the replacements. He signed um, the replacements, the Ramones, the Pretenders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I I heard his name. I didn't know that much about him, but uh, he's yep. definitely. They said very. As far as the music, the button-down music business, he's very eccentric. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. these guys, these are the executives that are artists. Yeah, Ahmed yeah. Erdogan, 
uh, guys yep. like that that you know they're they're businessmen but they they're artists yeah. you know because they've got the the ears and the skills but yeah but, yeah. but the interesting Seamless thing Chris Thomas created and Blondie, and Blondie. Chris Thomas yeah. created that uh, he arranged the songs for the horns for uh, Savoy Truffle and George mm. kept that style throughout his solo career George, he did uh, yeah he did I, he I even thought, used it on Ringo it don't come easy <clears throat> yep uh, I think of all the Beatles I think George did horns the best. Maybe, yeah. yeah but I, it was Chris I, I, Thomas I, 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 who arranged those horns for Savoy Truffle. Yeah. And I know that's one of your favorite uh, songs from the record. It is. It is. Yeah. Even the, the, the drums with those. The, we talked about that last week, the, the delay on the drums. The, the bass drum has a bit of a stutter to it. It's, it's a weird yeah, yeah, yep, yep. echo thing. So th- that was only 10 years between, say, the White Album and the first Pretenders record. So it's not, what a that, that's not a big stretch. But it's funny. <clears throat> 10 years, look how much changed in music. That's a. Monumental oh, hell yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's only a short... yep. yeah. 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 So, do you know that, uh, remember um, George Jones, the, one of the greatest country singers that there ever was? Oh, yeah. Right? Remember he, uh, I'm sure you, we've all heard it, White Lightning was like his first, mm-hmm. uh, uh, in North Carolina, in the back of the woods, you know, and uh, Pappy had a still and all that, right? My backyard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh that was his first number one hit, 1959. Hmm. Uh, White Lightning. White Lightning. He yep. didn't write yeah. it. Big Bopper wrote it. The Big Bopper wrote it. That's the Big right. Bopper wrote that song, yeah. That's right. You know we, yep. what I like. We, we talked about it on, on that episode, too. And it was George Jones. Big Bopper recorded it, actually, like in 56, I think. The Big Bopper's real name is what? Richardson? or J.P. Richardson. Uh, J.P. Richardson. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And... Unfortunately, um, three days before George Jones's version came out, the Big Bopper got killed, along with uh, the day the music died. Yeah, Buddy Holly and Richie Valens. Yeah, but that first number one hit for George Jones was written by the Big Bopper. Yep. Cool. Hmm. Mark, you you just listened to a George Jones record recently, didn't you? On the The recommendation of one of Scott's friends, a Barnett. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I don't know George. These these. Legendary country guys have a lot of albums out, and uh, it's a duets album. A lot of the songs he duets with other people, but Keith Richards is on one song, and Keith huh. comes in all musky and off key, and he sounds freaking phenomenal singing with George Jones. <laughs> Keith did record with George Jones, yep. Yep. yeah, yeah. Barnyard Sessions, I was very impressed with it. But it got, I looked now, at critical Marty, reviews. Marty Stewart was there. Yeah, yeah, but the critical reviews it got panned, and it was a dud. Uh, they thought George hmm. would have a big hit with it because he had um. Uh, Alan Jackson was it? No. Uh, yeah, Alan Jackson I think was on it, and it was the first time Alan Jackson had a single that didn't chart. He did the single with with uh, George mm-hmm. Jones. It was like bad wow. luck, George. The album just didn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what though? That was the new country coming out, yeah. and people didn't want to hear like the young country fans. They want to hear songs about yeah. Coors Light and having fun. Uh, uh, country, out, you know? country started changing around 1980, and it was like it started going downhill from there. Like, hey, did you happen? It's like it started going. <laughs> Nashville. You're making fun of the Silver Fox, Charlie. Charlie. Ridge. Yeah, because it was it was changing, man. It got <laughs> uh, it became but, uncool. Yeah. You know what it is? It happens to every music because what? Is it? It's the record industry gets involved and they start dictating. It's not, you know, they say some of these bands that we hate that are in country, like we can't stand, they actually are real country bands, but 
they get yeah they get a lot of money yeah. doing what the record label tells them to do. So yeah, at, yep. at, at that time too, like the crossover from this, like James Taylor, that kind of singer songwriter stuff that was kind of country. You know, yeah. with heavy metal grunge, <clears throat> that kind of a lot, a lot of that stuff transitioned into modern yeah, country. Yeah. So I think yeah. if you were a, a '70s guy and your tastes weren't that extreme, you could transition from that type of singer yeah. songwriter into the modern country. Yeah, but I, mean, I have the guys like <clears throat> Brad Paisley adding rock and roll Telecaster twang into the whole thing, you know, and like I said, songs about yeah. trucks and Coors Light. And well, interesting. Uh, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about that George Jones session, right? With, uh, with Keith, Marty yeah. Stewart was there. Marty Stewart bought from, uh, Clarence White's wife, the B bender, the, uh, the, the, mm. the Bob the Bob Parsons beat bender <laughs> the the, uh, <laughs> the Parsons white inside beat bender yeah right and uh, Marty Stewart I'm on the outside getting really good outside. at it getting really good at it yeah mm. but, but Bob Parsons was was a homeless shuffling Indiana homeless guy that my father employed as a handyman and he was a oh. character so whenever I hear the name Parsons I attach Bob Parsons to oh, oh. he was he was related to Grand Parsons as but, well. Mar but Marty Stewart. Uh, but Marty Stewart has the uh, Clarence White's uh, B Ben original. Yeah, wow. wow. And uh, wow, really? No, you know who Kenny Aronoff is the drummer. Sure, yeah, of course. Everybody knows who he is, right? I've he seen him live with John. You've seen Kenny Aronoff live, huh? Uh, playing with, with with Fogarty, and it, it was a, it was a New Orleans show at Jones Beach. It was the Neville wow. Brothers, oh, wow. Fogarty, and Doctor John. What a oh, show! Oh, that must have been yeah. great. Mark wow. Marky was great. You know who's the best? Oh. I thought it was going to be the Neville's. It was Dr. John. Mm. Yeah. Because the um, Neville's are great live. Oh, they were, they were incredible. Them, they, were all, they, they, they were all incredible. But Dr. Yeah. John just somehow was just magic. Magic. Yeah. He put so, that voodoo uh, on you. I read yeah, an interview guru, recently man. with yeah. Kenny Aronoff, and he was saying that in his early days, he got, he got called to try out to audition for a session. And... Steve Cropper apparently was the producer of this session. You know, Steve Cropper, the famous oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, Memphis guitar player. B um, Booker T and the MGs. Right. Korean yep. onions. <clears throat> yeah. And um, Kenny Aronoff, so he did his he did his audition, and uh, they said, oh, sorry, kid, you're fired, you know? And uh, it turns out that he learned a lesson. He said that, I thought it was about me, like I'm gonna put my touch on this song, and the, and the producer told him, "No, no, no, your job is to service the song so that it gets played on the radio." Hmm. And he said, "The lesson I learned from that," and he said, "The artist was Johnny Mellencamp. No, oh. it was Johnny Cougar. John Cougar. Johnny Cougar. Yeah. Johnny Cougar. Apparently, Steve <clears throat> Cropper produced like Johnny Cougar, and it Did was really? it was it was Johnny Cougar." Way yeah. back Johnny then. Cougar. That's right. Yeah. And of course, Kenny Aronoff became his drummer. Yeah. Right? You know, John John Cougar or John Mellencamp recognized something in him, but Steve Cropper fired him because he wasn't servicing the song. Wow. So he mm -hmm. said that lesson taught me so much mm -hmm. because of that. But they they also kept him on as a drummer. I, I read an interview with him also parallel in that same vein where he said like and he got hired to do this. You know, he's a schooled musician. He went to yeah. college for like he can read. music performance. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um probably a jazz drummer, but like, you know, marching field, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um but he said like I think one of those songs like uh the Millencamp song, like um Ain't Even Done With the Night. He was they gave him percussion, I think he played on. Yeah, right? and well, yeah. he had to watch the studio drummer. 
So he, he was probably now he became a very he's one of those drummers when he hit his stride once he got established, kind of a busy drummer. Yes, and, and that's probably something what he was maybe trying to do back then that wasn't working. But once Correct. he got established, yeah, yeah. and Melancholy, very knew, loud drummer too. Yeah, right? very. Oh yeah, oh, the, with, the, with the Fogarty thing. I mean, he was great. He was great yeah. with him. He's on that beat. He is on that. Yeah. Beat. Um, Interesting me, too. Um, go ahead. Sorry. But it's it weird because like I said it was, it was a humbling experience too because he said you know he had to service the song and he thought yeah, you know, he thought yep. he had, but he has an individual individualistic style which he couldn't use then but he learned to use later on yeah he played and with he a lot said of he like you said he watched that studio drummer yeah who got mm-hmm. the gig yeah yep yeah Aronoff is to American drumming on the beat what Charlie Watts was to the English style behind the beat, right? Yeah. This, oh, like, def- definitely. Yeah. 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 But like, he, he had a signature sound. Um, Kenny Aronoff's sound, especially in the 80s, like on the Mellencamp records, it's that piccolo snare. It's that thin. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, not, it's not a deep snare. Kelly Key yeah, from that range. Yeah, of now I have, little, I have a Scarecrow. little. Scarecrow. I have a That's little. About that. yeah. Scarecrow. I, I had that record too. Yeah. And it yeah. was that, that high, that piccolo snare. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But on the album prior to that, there was, uh, he had that song, Little Diddy, about Jack and Diane, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and there was, and he was saying that in the 80s, this is after Phil Collins had that big hit in the air, uh, in the air mm-hmm. tonight. <clears throat> so they wanted sort of that thing, you know, because he got a little jump part in there, right? Yeah. Mick Ronson played guitar. On that record, he yes, played on like three songs on that. But on Jack and Diane, Mick Ronson was that's one of, Mick Ronson on guitar. Mick Ronson played mm-hmm. guitar. Oh, on there. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. And maybe a little piano or something too. And apparently, it what? was Mick Ronson sang to John Mellencamp. He told him, he goes, "You should put some baby rattles on there." And John's like, "What the fuck are you talking about, <laughs> <laughs> baby rattles?" You know, because he was thinking percussion. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is what John Mellencamp said, that Mick Ronson sang to him, so let it rock, let it roll. Really? He created that part. Mick Ronson came up with that part. Wow. And and John said, yeah, let's let's put it in there, you know? Right, like, right. But that's Mick Ronson's idea, that wow. whole part. Wow. And then there was that Kenny Aronoff part that came in after that too, right? Yeah. With that, dun, 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 with that gated dun, reverb. Dun, 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 right? dun, yep. Yeah. 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 And I think it's something that they all felt kind of weird about. Mellencamp said there was no way that song was going to be a hit. He had no idea. And I believe him. Yeah. I like Mick, him. Mick like Ronson him. thought yeah. that it would be a hit. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. And, and I, that would be, I would give Mick Ronson a writing credit on that. I wonder if uh, he does. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I never uh, actually uh, checked it out. Because that that's the whole part of the song that's different from the rest of it. It's yeah, yep. Hmm. Yeah, I can't see you guys. Where's you going? I was going. No, no, I you was going to research it, but yeah, no, Go I was just seeing if I left right anything out. Yeah, yeah, but uh, so anyway, go ahead, Mark. No, go ahead. No, you, you, no, no. I, was just say, I found it interesting that Mick Ronson came I'm up with that blows part my in the mind. middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Let me ask you guys something. Have you guys ever heard of a singer named Maggie Bell? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I didn't. I knew her name, and I know where I heard it from, Rod Stewart. Every picture tells a story. That's how I knew her name. You know? Oh, that's her singing on that? Yeah, yep. every picture. Yeah. And he calls her vocal on the album. She's credited as a vocal abrasives on that album. Wow. Wow. So I did a little deep dive on her this week. And yeah. 
uh, looked into her career. So it's a couple things, you know, I found kind of interesting about her. She's from Glasgow, Scotland. Well, I knew she was from Europe. Yeah. She left school at 15 years old to sing. So this was hmm. just someone committed to music. Wow. After playing in bands, she met a guitar player named Les Harvey, who is the brother of Alex Harvey of the sensational Alex Harvey band. I'm sure you've heard of them. <laughs> I used to read about them in the 70s in those yeah, magazines. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So she joined his band and uh, they played and they got, I guess they got along and they kind of went their separate ways and then they got back together. They uh, formed a band called Power. Power toured U.S. air bases in Germany. And she was heard by Peter Grant, who was managing the Yardbirds at the time, Whoa. future manager of Led Zeppelin. Peter Grant was enamored with her vocals and Les Harvey's guitar playing. He was a very good guitar player. So he signed them and managed them. And then they changed their name to Stone the Roses. Never heard of this huh. band before. Okay. Just recently started listening to him. Huh. They uh, stayed together. Now, they had a bass player in the band by the name of James Dewar. Now, James Dewar, if the name doesn't ring a bell, just think of the early Robin Trower albums. He was the guy that sang Two Rolling Stone, Bridges Size. That's James okay. Dewar. That's the guy, okay. huh? Well, cool. So hmm. now you have this great singer, Maggie Bell, in a band with a great bass-playing singer, but you didn't hear too much from him. But he did. He co-sang, you know, on all those albums with her. Uh, they put out two albums. Their debut album had a very good version of Fool on the Hill. I advise you to check it hmm. out. Very, it sounded really good. One of, my, Second, one of my least favorite Beatles songs. <laughs> it always sounds better covered. You know? <clears throat> I would think. Yeah. So they put out two albums. Then they, uh, Les Harvey tragically died. He was electrocuted on stage, and it was called one of the most horrific electrocutions ever. Ouch. He evidently wow. flew up in the air, came down, and they couldn't get the guitar off, and they tried to band got shocked when they tried album. It just you mean it sounded it, really it's bad. used yeah. to him from uh, like well yeah he had his hands lightning. on the string and he grabbed it and something wasn't grounded because the wires were going through the field this was in wales that this happened mm -hmm. an outdoor show and and the audience damaged the wires there were shorts it's rock and roll was dangerous a lot of our a lot of people were electrocuted back in the day. especially when lou when there's moisture moisture <laughs> moisture <laughs> i i got i got zapped on stage with tom i saw a spark Oh, yeah. I saw fire yeah. on my lip. <laughs> I, shri I shrieked. It's on the cassette somewhere. I shrieked. It was horrible. Anyway, so when he died. Moisture. Moisture. Jimmy McCullough replaced Les Harvey. How old was he? Jimmy McCullough. Is it 12? <laughs> I was going to say eight. You know, I don't know. <laughs> now, he, now, Mark, wait. Who's Jimmy McCullough? Later of the Wings. Later of the Wings. And also, also. Oh, Tell um. Me. What was that band? Uh... Oh, Thunderclap Newman. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, not some, yes. Something no, in the air. Thunderclap Newman. Air. Yeah, yeah. Something, something that, in the air. Um, something. Yeah, produced by Pete Townsend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. So he joined them, but they didn't go any. Like, didn't do anything. Just they split up. He didn't do any recordings with them, and he went on to obviously join the Wings. But Peter Grant stayed with Maggie. With, uh, Maggie. He mm -hmm. just, he loved her. So he got her signed to Atlantic and he got two albums recorded. One was produced by Felix Popolardi and the other one was produced by Felix Cavalier. Two Felixes. <laughs> Both albums are unreleased to this day. Why? Wow. I really? don't know. I can't see. I can't think they were that bad. There's something up, you know. And Felix Papillardi was the bass player in Mountain and the producer of Cream. 
Yes. And Felix Cavalier was right. uh, Italo Rock. And Oscar Speaking Madison was uh, a sports writer. <laughs> That's right. And Felix the Cat had a little magic bag. Dun, 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 dun. I like a good glue story. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so, Mark, uh, Mark, so, so anyway, Peter Grant got her signed to Swan Song. Through Atlantic, Zeppelin's yeah, label, yep, that yep, great yep. angel that would turn around on your yep. record label. Yeah. She recorded two albums. Uh, Queen of the Night was produced by Jerry Wexler. Then the second album that she legendary. recorded was called, yeah, the Le legendary, legendary who was, I believe, played by Mark Marin in the uh, Aretha Franklin movie. I got to see that. Hmm. Um, but then the second album she did was called Suicide Sal. That had two songs where Jimmy Page played the guitar solos. This was 1975. Great album. And that's where I, I was listening to a lot of her stuff. That album is so ahead of its time that you had that mini soul revival in the 90s. Yeah, some of these yep. singers. She, to me, influenced them because it mm. sounds like something from the 90s. It, right. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Like Joan just, Osborne and people yeah, like that. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. Josh Stone. Like yeah, Josh Stone. I was trying to think of that. It's so, are you, you so you're stating that there are two Maggie Bell EPs on the shelf that were never released? Albums, full albums. Albums, yeah, in a vault I, somewhere. Yeah. I cannot find out anything else on them. You know, it's 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 kind of weird. It's one of those business, uh, music business, sad stories. Maybe you know, yeah, they, somebody they, Atlantic they, they just they didn't get released one day. Mm -hmm. I think they will. She's, but, I, yeah. but when uh, when I was a kid, I used to read those magazines and like the sensational Alex Harvey band. Yeah, like, one of the guys yeah. like wore clown makeup and something. <laughs> I never heard of them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard them. I have to listen to them. But um, anyway, after those two albums, she didn't really hit it big. I for some reason she didn't the U.S. I thought she would be more popular, yeah. uh, especially with that. She does have an uncanny resemblance to uh, Janis Joplin. Not a copy, just the similar vocal styles. And she rips, I mean, when she sings. Everything coming out of her is her heart's crying. That's what's amazing. Mm -hmm. She toured with, um, she was the opening act for Bad Company uh, in 1975. So it's a swan song oh. review, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, they just recently released, I highly advise you check it out, live in Boston, 1975. It came from her vaults. She was opening for them, and it's kind of almost like a really good bootleg sound, but it still sounds good. You could hear, you know, it sounds like one microphone, but it's a 45-minute set. Like, holy shit, to have her and Paul Rogers on that CNN wow. show, you know, must yeah. have been great. But this is where it's weird. Like, I guess because she never really made it. She went back to fronting a blues band called Midnight Flyer. Mm -hmm. They did, uh, they did, I think they did one album, didn't go anywhere. And she kind of fizzled. But then she went to a solo career in the 80s. She had one huge hit with B.A. Robinson. Can't find out anything out about him. It was a cover of a song called Hold Me. Hmm. Then she lived in the Netherlands for 20 years. And then she came back to England. And now she fronts, I think to this day, the British Blues Quintet. Wow. And I'm going to check them out. That's going to be my next old is she? dive. She's got to be, I would say, At least 70s. Well, yeah. yeah. She's still working, yeah. right? So Still working. Yeah. Um, just a, just a strange story about, you don't make it, but she kept working. Now, what she did in the Netherlands for 20 years, who knows? I don't know. Maybe she was hawking vitamins. I don't know. I'm curious about those two hashish. unreleased LPs, though. That's, With uh, two curious. big names. Yeah. 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 But why, I had, why, why, why weren't they re released? Whenever someone records something or something, there has to be an issue. Like, if it's viable, they'll release Maybe it. they didn't see a commercial viability. Yeah. 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 Yep, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Now, in, that's. That's my big question. What happened? You know, yeah. so. Margie said she's the backup vocalist in every picture. Tells a story by Rod Stewart, yeah. though. Yeah. 
So, and the, so the we, we, all, we all know that voice. Oh, yeah. 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 And that's why Rod Stewart called it vocal abrasives by yeah. Maggie Bell. Every <laughs> picture tells a story, don't it? Yeah. But, but if no, you want to hear. Is that Kenny Jones on drums? <laughs> no, it's Bernard Purdy. No, it's not. I don't know because that's ain't not, no shuffle on that man. That's not that's not faces. That's Rod Stewart's solo. But he used the faces on a lot of his solo. Yeah, albums. I think he did. Yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a guy named Martin. Could be Woody. He, right? Woody was on it. But any like on every picture tells a story. The intro, that guitar, acoustic guitar playing, and then Maggie May. There's like a little guitar intro before the song starts. That's this guitar saying Martin somebody. Can yes. I remember his last name. He yes. was kind of like a Nick Drake. Type. Yes, yeah. he was. You know? Yeah. But and otherwise, I think there were, there was some legality contentiousness after that, as opposed to who wrote who for songwriting royalties and contributions to who played the mandolin. I think he played the mandolin on that too. Mm, yeah. So, those, I think it's, those are magical albums. Those are early Rod Stewart yeah, albums. Yeah. I love them all. Right up to Atlantic Crossing. They're just mm. great. Do yeah. you want my body? And you think I'm sexy? <laughs> Let me know. Get pipes out. Maggie Bell, Maggie man, Bell, man, yep. Uh, so Maggie Bell, you know who uh, Klaus Vorman is, right? Klaus Vorman, friend of no, the Beatles, who is he? right? <laughs> oh yeah, friend of the fish. Designed the uh, designed the Revolver album cover. Yes, right. Yes, yeah. Or was it Revolver? Yeah. Right. Yep. You're you know just so vain. You know how much you got paid for for designing the Beatles Revolver album cover? Ten 40, quid. Forty pounds. Which is what. 40 bucks. bucks. 40 bucks. <laughs> That's cheap. Brian Epstein was cheap. <laughs> 40 bucks. Classic record. Yeah. Classic yeah. album cover. Yep. The best he also, he also He also created the design for uh, the Bee Gees' first album. Really? Really? Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> oh. Yep. What was the name of the Bee Gees' first record? Was that like Sir I Richard the Lionhearted or something? It might have just been called Bee Gees' first or okay. something like that. I yep. think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. But I, I recently heard you guys talking about Nielsen Schmilson, mm-hmm. right? You, I don't know yep. if you're talking about it with Scott McLean or if we spoke on the phone. Uh, Milky Gates and Turntables, yes. Yeah, yep. And you know that Klaus Vorman played bass on uh, on Can't Live If Living Is Without You. Did he really? Wow. Klaus he's like, he's like, bass. He's wow. like pollen. He's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Jim Keltner was on drums on that song. And wow. Gary Wait, Wright, so, play, Gary Wright played uh, keyboard, piano. Yeah, Gary, Gary Wright from uh, Spooky Tooth, from Dreamweaver fame. Well, Dream, Dreamweaver, pre Dreamweaver, yeah. I guess, right? Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah. So, so until that album had both Jim Gordon and Jim Keltner on separate drum tracks. Wow. Yeah, but Jim Keltner is on the song "Without You." Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. And in 1966, Klaus Vorman joined. He was offered. He was offered to join the Hollies. Klaus Vorman, as a baseball, wow. turned it down. He was offered to join the Moody Blues, turned them down. No shit. Instead, joined Manfred Mann in nineteen sixty-six. That's, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yep. Now, Manfred Mann was European. Though. There's more to Manfred Mann than we know. Mm. We know Diddy Wah Diddy and that god awful Manfred Mann Earth Band Bruce Springsteen. No, no, but they did that, that Bob Dylan cover, the Mighty Quinn. The Mighty Quinn, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But uh, that was that was some pretty cool stuff. Back then. Yeah. Now but I don't Ma- know when Ma- that came Ma- out. Yeah. Klaus joined in '66, so if that came out, I don't know if Klaus was actually on the Mighty Quinn. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And then he left in 1969. Klaus. Mm-hmm. 
And of course he joined, you know, he started working with uh, John Lennon and George, right? He was in George the plastic Harrison. Ono band, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Uh, he's a bass player on cold Turkey, isn't he? He's the bass player on uh, cold Turkey. Yeah. So the, those who are listening, Klaus Vorman was a friend of the Beatles way back in the Hamburg days. Klaus Vorman yeah. and Astrid Kircher were best friends. Astrid Kircher was the artist that influenced the Beatles. The both of them influenced. They had the Beatles. Actually, Klaus Vorman had a Beatle haircut before the Beatles did. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yep. And they, they were the German existentialists, the Xies, as they called them. Yeah. But they influenced the whole Beatles style. You know, the whole le- leather jackets. You know, they, yeah. They, before yep. they got cleaned up by Brian Epstein. Yeah. Took over the world, but you know, well, they, they were, were they going. Were, they were apparently they were going out one night with Klaus. And George said, I don't have any more Vaseline for my hair. <laughs> and and, uh, Paul, and Klaus told him, no, 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 just just don't worry about it. Just let it right. dry. And it and it looked like, you know, those, those haircuts, you know, like uh, <laughs> the mop tops. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. And, yeah. Klaus Vorman was on uh, You're So Vain, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that, I always thought that was Lee Sklar. <laughs> it's funny because like you never, I never really heard about Klaus Vorman's talents as a bass player. As, mm. as a young teenager, you know, getting yeah. into music, the album covers, the artwork, the fact that you know, his past history with the Beatles. But we, I never knew he was a bass player and all that stuff going forward. Yeah. Even the, the Lennon album, is, is he on like number nine, Dream? Uh, I think he, he played. Be. He played on the Imagine album or whatever that record he, was called. Yeah, yep. Uh, Mind Games. Mind Game, yeah. And uh, he played Mind guitar. Gorillas. He played guitar on one of the, on another track for Nielsen. Wow. You know, so yeah, these guys are just uh, very Klaus talented. Was a real, Klaus was a real deal back then. Yeah, yeah. He oh. he's retired now, though. He's you know eighty five, I think, or yeah. you know something like that. Yep. How about this? Let's put him in the good guys of rock and roll because he, we saw in the documentary. He seems like a really cool freaking guy. Yeah, super yeah, cool yep. dude. Like, like oh, the rock and roll's full of people who are just they're so cool. Like you know, they don't have to be stars. They don't have to. You know, they they do what they do. They go through it. They got their accolades, but they're just they're too cool for too cool for school. They're just yeah. They're above that I'll, ego fray. And he was a producer too. Like he there was this German band called Trio. They had the song Da Da Da. Remember that thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was with Da. da. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. I need. I want to hear more of that. What was it? The, the, the song da, was called Da Da Da. da, da. It was da. like a you know, so, and Klaus produced that that group trio. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah, you, you, you know, heard it a few times in the uh, in the eighties, I think. Well, yeah, the, the thing with he, he was cooler than the Beatles before they were cool. Yeah, it was it was his yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. That and and the German Hamburg cool that influenced the Beatles that gave him that that edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. Well, I learned something about Sh- Nielsen. Harry, Harry, uh, Nilsson Schmilson. Harry, Harry Nilsson. <laughs> here I go. And I'm not going to say your last name. O- Ozzy Nelson. Um, when I, when I moved here and I got all my vinyl out, I forgot that someone had given me their collection and in it was Nilsson Schmilson and it's a quadraphonic mix, but I can play it. You know, on the second side, I didn't know there's a song that's in uh, Goodfellas near the end when he's driving around before he gets arrested. That that frantic sounding song is Harry Nilsson. It's the one that you know what I'm. Th- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm playing and I'm listening. Like, fuck me, that's N- Harry Nilsson. Wow, you know. <laughs> that's into the fire. That's the name of it. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. I was like, holy yeah. shit. I'm like sitting here at my desk. And I'm like, good fellas. <laughs> All I could yeah. think is uh, someone doing this, you know. So. <laughs> oh my god! And breaking severely on the Long Island Expressway. Yeah. Um, now that's the song that has the uh, the, the famous Jim Gordon drum solo in it. 
Yeah, yeah. Yes. So the, the drummer on that particular song and album is not Jim Keller, but it's Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Late great, late great Jim yeah. Gordon. Remember um, those? Then go ahead, Mark. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. And then Lou, you were said something about Manfred Mann. I did a deep dive one night on on Spotify, and I checked out some of their albums, especially from the seventies. They've got some. I hate some of their songs. I really yeah, do. But yeah. some of their stuff that didn't make it, it's really good music. They got some I, good I've heard. stuff. I've yeah, heard. but uh, Manfred Mann, he, he's very jazz influenced. Like, a lot of the stuff's more musical. You know, we, we know Diddy Why Diddy. You know, that, that's yeah, a meatball. Yeah. Was that, wasn't that meatballs <laughs> or like in stripes or something? You know, and, and the, the yeah, Mighty yeah, Quinn. Yeah, it was when they were marching. Yeah. <laughs> that was the cadence that they were marching to. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> Um, but the Earth Band, like going from mid sixties to the late sixties, there was a lot of jazz influences. I don't think Man for Man is. I think he's German. He might hmm. be. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he is. We we talked about him one time, one of our past shows. But yeah, it definitely like not what you'd expect. The album cuts are not what you'd expect. Yeah, from a yeah. band that had this kind of like pop hits. You know. Yeah, they almost won Prague <clears throat> in the late seventies. You know. I, I heard that too. Yeah. 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 More than remember, meets the eye. Remember those magazines when we were kids? Uh, Circus Magazine. Circus. That was Cream. Magazine. Circus yeah. Magazine, right? Hit Parader. Remember that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hit yeah. Parader yeah. Magazine. I used to buy one for like 30 cents. It was called Song Hits. And <laughs> they would have the lyrics. They would have the lyrics to like Proud Mary. And, you know, they were just. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was a pretty cool magazine. It was called Song Hits. Yep. That's a good thing for an aspiring musician to read lyrics. You know? That's something. Yeah. My, my father used to buy sheet music when he was a kid in the '30s, because they had the lyrics of songs that he liked. Uh -huh. So that, that, that's almost like that. That's almost like an extension of that old publishing yeah. thing. Where you know, like, you know, like people had pianos. Every household had a piano, right? Yeah, yeah. If, then someone's, if you aunt, wanted, someone's auntie played the piano. That's it. But, if you wanted to hear your favorite song, you would buy the sheet music, come home and play it yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't that so, amazing. Apparently, oh, that sounds like a, an extension of that. There was there was another magazine. Remember this one, Rock Scene. Remember that no. one? No, no, really. Rock Scene I'm much magazine. Too young. Yeah. <laughs> no, they were around. And then Punk of course kid. there was there was another one just called Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get these? And then, there was, I, I, you know, I, and then of course Rolling Stone used to be a decent magazine, right? A cream crawdaddy. Cream Crow is back, Daddy. by the yep. way. You know what? Cream is back. They're publishing again. Cream They're magazine is back. Yeah. 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 I, I loved Cream magazine. I never I read the, it. I, I like the parodies they had. They, they had a picture of REM in the early days, and it said, it was a picture of Michael Stipe, and it said, if I should die, would it be a Stipe end? <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a magazine that I used to buy all the time. I don't know if you, you ever heard of it. It's Ooh. called Trouser Press. I've heard wow. of it. Yeah. Trouser press. They used to put flexi discs. They used to put flexi discs in the middle. Oh, I love flexi discs. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and I nice. had a whole. I had a couple of years worth of this, Lou. And guess who I gave them to? A friend of ours whose nickname was the Governor. His name was Walter. I gave him all my trouser press magazines. Really? Oh. Yeah. Because I was Walter. moving and I couldn't carry them around anymore. And I don't know he was no, a collector. No less name. Walter, aka the Governor. Governor, it was yeah. a big blues rock aficionado. Yeah. Mm. Yep. He liked Walter Trout. And I have another magazine that uh, perhaps you remember, Spin Magazine. Oh, of course. Spin. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. That was owned by like a pornographer or something. <laughs> I mean, right? It was Bob Guccione Jr. Bob Guccione Jr. His <laughs> father was a pornographer, right? <laughs> there's his a, father was a, a penthouse. penthouse. Yeah. There's, yep. there's, there's a, there's a um, uh, Guns N' Roses song where Axel just yells, gets off his chest and 
uh, about everyone that he hates. And one of it's called In the Ring. And he goes, Bob Guccione Jr. and Spin. What's the matter? You don't get as much pee as your father did. You know, I have a Bob Guccione Jr. story. Oh, yeah. What is it? Uh, This girl I was dating in the early 80s. One time we went out like separate boys night, girls night. So I couldn't find her the next day. She turned up. She goes, what what happened? She goes, I was at a party at Bob Gucci on Jr.'s house. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, his father's the publisher of Penthouse. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to know. You have a hall living in your building. <laughs> Janice Rossi. <laughs> oh, no of, course, that. of course, there's uh, the, oh, the British magazines, Mojo. Yeah. Uh, um, no, no, NME. Can we backtrack a second? Yeah. Yeah, spin. Spin was the hip magazine having the late spin was 80s on. Cool, yeah, right. When Rolling Stone was uncool. Spin. Yes. Was cool. yep. Yeah. When, when Rolling Stone became very mainstream, Spin yeah. was like the kind of old, edgier one. Yeah. Um, yep. Now, if you were if you were like a long hair, meaning an old muso, a musician, a serious yeah. musician, musician magazine was the one. Oh was, yeah. I think yeah. Was Vic, Vic Garbarini. Yeah. Um, yep. Musician magazine loves Sting. A ding ding. Yes. Yes. Really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was the link, you know, between jazz. And- that's that's right, Mark. That's right. Yeah. The Blue Turtles. So, so I always bought Circus. For some reason, Cir- I guess it was just 7-Eleven in Hillsdale had it. Circus and Rolling Stone I bought. <laughs> and a Slurpee. Yeah. <laughs> and then I used to get on. Yeah. yeah talk about sugar. <laughs> then I would buy. It was always on import. Kerrang! Magazine. They were the big oh, hard wow. rock, heavy metal. Metal. They, really? They broke. They kind of helped break Twisted Sister, England, just England. Yeah. And I think it's still being published, but um, I learned about Metallica from Kerrang! Magazine. It was because of Kerrang! Magazine. I heard about Ride the Lightning, and I went right down to, I had, I bought it from England. Why? I don't know. I couldn't get to, but I got Ride the Lightning on Megaforce, but printed in England that things from England. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. That was in Cliffside Park. So Kerrang! was a big part of my youth. Mm. Okay. Do you know, uh, you got something, Lou? No, no. You, I, you I, will, I will. I will. I will. Hey, uh, hey Perry. Something yeah. just came to mind. I, I want to Perry. bring up. Luke's Lou's on LinkedIn trying to get a date. Uh, uh I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he gets his dates. Don't, don't. It's, it's a joke. It's a bad joke I made. Somebody, no, you, you know, uh, the certification in the United States for gold record. Platinum record. And yeah, do you know the numbers? I do. A gold I record don't. is still in the U.S. Five hundred thousand copies is a gold record. Okay. Not a million. Not a million. A million. I thought, I thought, it, a, million I thought it was is, a million at one point. A million is platinum. Okay. A million is platinum. I think maybe decades and decades ago, gold might have been a million, but gold in the U.S. is five hundred thousand copies. Gold record. Million copies is platinum. Ten million copies is diamond. It's a diamond record. Hmm. What? Yeah. How many? Ten million. All right. What so album? Thriller is a diamond record. You, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know, ten times platinum, whatever they want to. Yeah. Know, yeah. What, yeah. That's big money. But now in the UK. If you sell 60,000 copies in the UK, that's a silver record. Really? In the UK. It's like the, like the, the Olympics now. It, we're we're with you, bronze. Well, if you sell 100,000 copies of a record in the UK, that's gold record. 100,000. 
Because it's a smaller population. Smaller population. Yeah. Population, yeah. Yep. yep. Well, that's, that sounds like lowered expectations. So the, yeah, the thing is, yeah. you go to another country and become successful. Yeah. Maybe that's why they all want to come to America, you know? Yeah. That's why well, you only do a two-week tour of Europe, of uh, and, England. And, and or, in England, you, you, if you sell 300,000 copies, it's a platinum record. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And they also have a category for singles, too. 200,000 is, you know, silver, 400,000 is gold, 600,000 is platinum or is, you know, platinum in the, in the UK. Yeah. It's even lower in some other countries too. Yeah. Even lower. Mm. And somehow now they have to incorporate downloads. Well, here Canada for instance, right? 40,000 copies of a record in Canada is a gold record. 40,000. I, I love Canada. Yeah. Every Rush album <laughs> before it was released was gold. Gold, yeah. Yeah. Considering we're, 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 we're impossible here, we're just impossible. Well, considering more people live in California than in the whole country of Canada, sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. In Canada, eighty thousand dollars is platinum, and, dollars, uh, <laughs> and eight hundred thousand copies of the diamond record. Yep. Wow. Yeah, now that's like out. a. The, 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 you never hear about diamond selling records. You never hear about anything. Except yeah, I, I think they just call so them ten times platinum or whatever. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I, I think that, that that makes more sense. That you know, some kind of industry trade show where like when your band's yeah. being incorporated. You know, whatever. Yep. Pension you get from some society. Yeah. Yep. Who knows? Yeah. Now France has their own designation. Fifty thousand copies in France is a gold record with cheese. Hundreds of Royale with cheese. <laughs> Hundred thousand copies theater. is platinum, and you know three five hundred thousand is whatever. But hmm. since two thousand thirteen in the United States and twenty fourteen in the UK and Germany, they started counting streaming. Yeah. Oh. So a hundred and fifty downloads hmm. of a song or a record counts as one unit sale. Hmm. A, a, a download, a free download is considered no, a hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, rather, one hundred and fifty downloads counts as one album. Yeah. I think oh. it's like people that buy on Apple Music. You can actually purchase an album, or, or Amazon. Yeah, yep. You can actually purchase the MP3. I think that's what they're referring to. Yeah, Hope, hopefully. Yeah. I think. Hopefully. And since two thousand sixteen, the RIAA, which is what the Recording Industry Association of America, oh, or something, yeah. right? They started including on-demand audio. I'm not sure what that means. Is that like Spotify. Amazon and Spotify? Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also video streaming, too. They started counting that. Yep. Mm. They started counting all this in sales. So, yeah, yeah, 150 downloads counts as one album or one Roots 41 single, however right. you want to do it. But that's how the industry, that's how the industry has evolved. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Perry. Evolve, evolve being a very relative term because you know, downloads like that, you know, the artists are not getting paid. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or pennies. Or and we're all guilty. We're all guilty. Well, yeah, think I'm about a, it, right? If 150 downloads is one record, they're only getting paid for one record, right? Or yeah. one sale. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Perry. Hey, what? Speaking of Diamond, do you want to hear some Diamond albums? Yeah. All right, so Ario Speedwagon, High Infidelity, we know that. Ario Speed oh. Dealer. Yeah. yeah, that was the biggest um, <laughs> Taylor Swift fearless, fearless. The REM Speedwagon. <laughs> <laughs> They're very, very dramatic. Uh, Kenny G, Breathless. Here we right, go. Taylor Swift, there's no surprise there. Yep. Yeah. Here we go. Nickelback, all the right reasons. <laughs> Blue, you're right. 
that's a diamond record. That means I like when your pants are down at your knees. <laughs> well, no, they're Canadian. So yeah. that's only a hundred oh, yeah. thousand, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry they're Canadian. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a boat it's a boat sales. Can I borrow your car? <laughs> borrow. Uh, uh, I think I'm gonna kidnap Chad Kruger. Oh my god, there's some real hits on here. Matchbox twenty, yourself <clears> or someone <throat> like you. Celine Dion, let's talk about love. Santana Supernatural is a diamond album. Well, really? Wow. Uh, is that a diamond Santa, single in, or is that a diamond album? Diamond album. This is a list of diamond albums. Elvis Presley's Christmas album. Wow. Backstreet Boys. Dirty Dancing soundtrack, no surprise. Uh, Outcast. Outcast, wow. A lot of, a lot of uh, Garth Brooks. He was on top of the world yeah. then. Jewel. All she over. was a diamond <clears> artist. <throat> wow. But. Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Hootie and the Blowfish, my favorite band, not. Uh, Ten million albums. Ten million albums. I go blind. Oh, God. Devil, Kid Rock, Devil Without a Cause. Oh, look. I, 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 wait, wait. I didn't mention. Show. Wait. Asshole of Rock and Roll. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did see what that. Is that? Come on. I did I did see that a clip where he was blowing up cases of beer. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a break. Come on, man. Come First on. of all, if you're gonna admit Do something well, else. I won't get into people's beer taste, but if you're gonna admit you drank it in the beginning. Don't I'll, get me started yeah. on that. Def Leppard Pyromania. RL Speedwagon oh. said that. Uh Lionel Richie can't slow down, of course. Dixie Chicks Wide Open Spaces. I do like that album. Uh Nora Jones, come away with me. There's some good stuff on there. Yeah, that deserved that. Wow. Good for her. I'm not she, uh, that, that, that was the first post 9/11 chill out record. It's a great album. You come know who introduced me to it? Hmm. Uh, Fordham University uh, FUV. Right, they start playing Nora oh, Jones. Okay. And I'm going to work one day, and I hear her version of uh, the Hank Williams Senior song, uh, something heart. Your restless heart. You're a cheating heart. You're cheating. I heard her version of it. I'm like, she's a jazz singer singing an old country song, and it sounds fucking great. You know, daughter, like, daughter oh, of Rabbi Shankar. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, but um, a Led Zeppelin's first album is Diamond. I'm sure a bunch of their albums are. Anyway, million, that's it. Ten million yeah. copies. Wow. Wow. Well, what about Rumors? Isn't that in there? Fleetwood Mac. I'm sure Hotel California is on Frampton there. Frampton comes alive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Ah, yeah, interesting. I'm just scrolling through. There's like 50 of them. There's actually three Def Leppard albums on there. Physical Graffiti, which is a double album. That's yep. pretty impressive. That's uh, not Def Leppard. No, it's it's <laughs> uh it's Zepp Ledlin. Uh Boston's first album. Not a surprise there. Oh boy. Smashing Pumpkins, <laughs> Melancholy. Not a fan. Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> 1984 from Van Halen. Dark Side of the Moon. Not a fan. Dark Side of the Moon is 15 times platinum. Can I? Jesus uh, Christ. Fifth, really? Generations. Well, hey, they're good, for yeah, I'm sorry. good for sorry. them. Alan Parsons doesn't get any more money, though. Yeah, hey, right. <laughs> Appetite for Destruction, 18 times platinum. That's amazing. Wow. That's, just like, that's huge. Generations to come will reap the benefits of that. Okay, you know, Fleetwood Mac, rumors, 20 times platinum. 20 times. All right, that's 20 million. Yeah. So. That's good. Good for them. Now you mentioned Dark Side of the Moon. Now I heard this, Mark. Perhaps you can verify this. I heard that when when they finished the record, that probably Roger Waters and Dave Gilmore they sent tapes to four different people to mix it, and they were going to choose their the mix that they thought was the best. 
Chris Thomas, I think, was one of the people involved in that, too. So um, apparently that's how they worked. They, you know, the a, whole... I didn't hear that. And that's interesting. Because you know that. what? The mix, <clears throat> that was the way it came out. That was like a very important decision. It could have been disastrous, you know? Yeah. I heard they sent copies of the tapes to four different people to mix it. Yeah. What I find Ooh. amazing is that album and its follow-up, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, outstanding albums but when they started recording both those albums they had writer's block they didn't know where to go i think they were still suffering a hangover of not having sid barrett around and somehow things clicked so when they went in the studio to do shine on you crazy diamond they were going nowhere they were just nothing and then something clicked every time something wait wait that was that was the album that was the album after dark side of the moon yeah right yeah but that both was, of them wish you were uh, here yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when they were doing Dark Side of the Moon, they were basically, as David Gilmore said, they were jamming on A minor to D for 45 minutes. Well, that's uh, Breathe. You know, dang, yeah. those <laughs> right. Somehow they just they would hit their stride, but they almost had disasters two times in a row. And but, it's, it's... but like you like you said, Roger, uh, Dave Gilmore says, well, you know, we it was interesting how we were writing together. And Roger says, I don't know how much writing was going on. We're just jamming on A minor yeah. D that's it. for yeah. four yeah. hours, you know. <laughs> Yeah, who were the producers that they they sent those? The four other producers that they sent those tapes. I don't know. They were producers. They were people who were going to mix it, and when it was done, they were probably producers. Well, like Glenn Johns. I I would think they gave Alan Parsons a shot at it, right? Yeah, Yeah. Glenn Johns. Glenn Johns competed in a few albums, right? Wasn't there another album that he was asked to do a competing mix of? If I remember right, Uh, that that was the band Stage Fright. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yep. And, and uh, apparently, apparently they, they, these mostly Todd Rundgren's mixes, but Glenn John said, you got to pay me for every mix I did. <laughs> it sounds like Glenn John's. <laughs> well, well so screw it. I, I do the same thing. I got I yeah. work into it. I, I wish I used all my time and you, you use three of my mixes. You know, pay for the whole thing. Man. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a mixing. It's, it's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah. 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 It's, it's different than engineering and the whole thing mastering mastering is a whole other mastering is the whole other thing entirely i'm a master mastering we won't go there with that um no when i was a mastering mm-hmm. there was a local band that famously asked me uh, no somebody somebody no 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 they were okay. nice guys <laughs> me disc makers mastering engineer and uh carl wadi's outfit in in hallworth and the four of us they said please master our album and we'll pick the best one so it sounded like shit, and I did what I could, and it ended up that they didn't like any of our mixes. They wanted to sound like Led Zeppelin, but if you record with one microphone, tin can right. drums, you know, you're not going to get it. Did Mas- you have a mixing console when you were No, because it was mastering. It was just EQ and compression, not mixing. So it was when you master, you're getting the two-track. You're not getting the whole, all the separate tracks. So basically mastering, it's either heavy-handed, like mastering, if you listen to an album from from uh, Queensryche called, um, it was after Operation Mind Crime, Empire. Empire is probably my favorite example of a well-mastered album because the, the mastering engineer used compression in the right way to make the sound, like not overly compressed, but not too little compression. Sometimes mastering is very light. You see remasters that the average person won't hear a difference in, but if you really listen, you can hear it. It's just tweaking the right things at the right time and leveling everything out mm-hmm. if you're genesis you want highs and lows but if you're a band like M- queens you want to have everything compressed that's basically because you never want to compress too much on the recording because you can't get rid of compression as westwood feed found out 
Yeah. No, but I mean, there's guys like Bob Ludwig who master, but they have he, their own studio. He is in Maine or something with a, you know, they have these giant consoles that they yeah. master on, but they're they're mastering like the from the master tapes. Yeah, right? well, there's still two track. You would never send a mastering engineer the multi tracks because then you're mixing, and Bob and it would Bob Ludwig would then be listed as the mixing and mastering. Um, it's it's after everything's said and done. Bob Ludwig is is a monster. In his mastering studio, he had the speakers, the, the, the stands for the speakers drilled down into the, the, the rock underneath yep. the building to have the ultimate independence of the speaker sound. He, he's great. He's just awesome. Yeah. All right. So I'm thinking of mixing because yeah. there's this like Chris Lord, Chris Lord algae. Alge. Right. Yeah. yeah. These guys, <laughs> they, like, they mix. Like yeah. you want them to mix your song so it becomes a hit you know, or whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you see an album remastered, it's not, it, sometimes it does sound a lot better. There are remasters that sound great, but when you see remix, like what Steve Wilson thing mm -hmm. does with Jethro Tull and Chicago too, when you're actually remixing, that's major and you can make it sound totally different. You can also ruin it too. Right. But yeah, so mastering is different than mixing. It's like, uh, yeah. I always thought Wilco's records were so finely mixed. I don't know who's doing the mixing, if they're doing it themselves. Yeah. But it I love phenomenal. the way Wilco records come out. I love the, you know, the, uh, the way they're mixed. Yes. I would, I would think it's a professional mixer because given their experimental period, you know, from like being there on, yeah, yep. you know, all the disparate elements required something. It wasn't just mixing a rock band. It wasn't just instruments. It was like sounds. It was like loops. It was just all kinds of other effects. So like, right, whoever yeah, did right. that was probably an experience. And, and the guitar cuts out here, but Bob the piano Calibri stays or, in. Yeah. There, there's another mix of Calibri. Yeah. There's so uh, much more than a rock band. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. So yeah. Oh, Greg yeah. Calby. Greg, maybe that Greg Calby, like yeah, well known yep. mixer. Like I think he worked on some Wilco records. Like he's the guy that takes you know when you record these things when you get the masters. I found out doing my my last band, you know, the Edenville CD, where the song that we recorded thought sounded great when it came to mixing. Like it was troublesome. It was troublesome. Yeah, a really yeah. hard thing. And given the fact that it was an uncomplicated band to mix, I mean, we weren't a big budget band. It was a we we self produced, we self finance yeah. and produced out of pocket. Yeah, yep. Out of pocket, but like you, know, you get a band like Wilco, and they put all this, they got everything, including the kitchen sink and like drills and pastry blenders going on. And that's that's a painstaking thing to mix. Yeah, but I yeah, like the absolutely. fact that they stopped going to studios, and now their loft is their recording studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's great. And they mm -hmm. and some artists can't do that. Some artists will just go over budget when they have their own studio. But Wilco, no, they keep putting stuff out. It's well recorded. Guys, clean up on aisle thirteen. Okay, go for it. But you gave me a copy of uh, Sky Blue Sky by Wilco. It took you a long time and to get into it. It took me a that. while to get into yeah. it, but of course, it's a great sounding record. You know, initially, I loved the music more. I was frustrated with the mix because it got really low. Like, I had trouble hearing parts of it. Yeah. Then again, I was playing at that point in my life, I was playing everything in a car. So you're driving. There's some some of those songs. They start out very quiet, and I'm blasting it, you know. And then, uh, but when you play it on a good stereo system, yeah, it sounds just phenomenal. It really does. Yeah, I mean, I've got uh, I've got some good speakers. That I mean, 
I've got some B&O speakers, Bang & Olufsen. Nice, yeah. And I also have, uh, you know, wooden uh, wooden speakers. They're Utah, Utah Sound. Really? Yeah. And they're the kind where, like, you know, you have to use the screwdriver to, uh, you know, screw in the wire in the back of the speaker. You know, there's no Oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. a good speaker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're pretty old, I suppose. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't know that what makes a speaker great is the cabinet, not the actual cone. Like, so some people are like, oh, you got to get a the right speaker cone if you blow it. No, no, it's all in the cabinet. It's the engineering yeah, yep. of the wood and everything. So, yeah. I've but got I these little know. bookshelves behind me here, you yeah, see? Yeah, yep. I see they them. They yep. sound phenomenal. I've They're heard Sony's. them. Yeah, I've been there yeah. and I heard them. They sound pretty yeah. darn good. Yep. I wish I had big one old-fashioned 1970s-style ones. I just can't fix them. But I've got bookshelf speakers. They're about like, you know, bookshelf speakers, are, but they're B&O, Bang & Olufsen. I don't know. Where are they from? Do you know Bang & Olufsen? Um, um, it's Dutch? Europe. Yeah, it might are be. Or they... Swedish. I mean, they're, they have a great reputation. But yeah, the sound is phenomenal on these little things, yeah. But I'll tell you what. When I was in mastering and they, were at, they asked me, because we had these big old speakers that were going, and they said, I asked for speakers that I could AB with like smaller speakers so I could mm -hmm. hear what was heard on a regular system. Yeah. And I said, I want Bang & Olsen. And we had this old guy there, Pete, who said, absolutely not. Because Bang & Olsen is a superb home speaker, but it yeah. colors the sound. It does add a unique sound. When you're mastering, go back to that. You don't want anything coloring. You want the most flat speaker because right. if the, if the original sounds like shit, you want it to sound like shit, not sound great. You don't want a speaker that makes shit sounding stuff sound good. You want to hear shit. You want right, to hear yep. accordingly. Yeah. I think, and I think the pinnacle on that is uh, Bose. Everyone loves Bose, but. I, I don't know, man. Basic, I mean, I had know? one of those one time. And, you know, I understand about the tube design where, you know, the, the, the sound goes through one of their tubes. Yeah. You know, it's not just like a cone speaker or whatever. Right. But, you know, that's pretty cool. And they do, and those little things, they do fill up a whole room. You oh, know, sure, those, those sure. Bose, uh, Bose radios or the Bose CD player. Was, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, they do. They fill but, up a whole room with sound. They do. I just, I remember a high school friend that said, come on over, man. My dad bought me Bose speakers and they used to make regular speakers. And I went over and I'm like, oh, you know, he's like, yeah, these cost like $2,000. And this is back in yeah. the 80s. And he put them on and I'm like, all right, there's a lot of bass, but where's the highs? There was no highs. You yeah. Know? I was like, yeah, it was basically subwoofers before you had subwoofers in yeah, home entertainment yep. systems you know and and like so. i know uh i know scott mcclain from milk crates and turntables he's into headphones like old headphones and i have a couple of pair i have a pair of headphones like from the from a recording studio from like 1970 you know these they sound great round things you know but like yeah but the sound is uh you know you don't get that sound from no. uh shitty headphones Right. I went through, I, I used to buy headphones like crazy for years and I have the ultimate pair. And when I moved here, I lost them. So I'm using these. These are actually my headphones that I had mastering their Tascam. Yeah, they yep. service, you know, I did not take them from my old job. I, they just accidentally fell into my bag one day. So, you know. Well, you know, headphones are important. Absolutely. They're, they're very important. So I've got decent headphones and, uh, when I do recording here, you know, I always put on a decent set of headphones. Yep. Good. Yeah. 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 You don't want to, you don't want to think it sounds great when it doesn't. You don't want anything to, again. You don't want something that's pumping up. That's when Correct. you want to be entertained. When you want to be entertained, yeah. you want the headphones that pump it up and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And also the old kind of headphones, like from the studios from the old days, they, they cup your whole ear. So you don't hear anything. 
that's going yeah. on around you, you know? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they silence it out. Yep. Yep. MC Lou is back. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> In a Gata de Vida. Oh, baby. <laughs> Hey guys, I gotta oh, clean no, up an aisle. No. I gotta clean up an aisle twelve. I'll be right back. In the Garden of right. Eden. Uh, Mark, before you go, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm now in rock and roll asshole mode. Okay, okay. I'll be right I, back. I want to add my name to the rock and roll asshole. You had you sniff some blow while you I were did. out there, <laughs> and I'm gonna be the nice guy. I'm gonna come back. Lou, you're show you're showing. I'm showing. Yeah, wait. Okay, you got it. You got it. I think they got it now, Perry. <laughs> Coke booger. <laughs> uh, reality time. Reality time. <clears throat> so, I was talking to Mark about what, headphones. What I uh, like, um, I have an old pair of headphones from the studio, like in the 70s, where, like, they cup your whole ear. You know, they cover your whole ear. Yeah. So, you don't really hear anything. That's, I was saying how Scott McLean is into... Uh, Old headphones, classic headphones, and uh, okay, yeah, it, it, it's a weird thing. I, I don't like recording with headphones, like to record like live music, <clears throat> like you know, like our, our recordings. I, I try not. I always try to use as little headphones as possible because I don't. It's too close. I don't think it's realistic. It's convenient for volume and whether really? the application. Yeah, I think for like recording live, I'd rather use. Your studio monitors because I think it's more live. I think it's more real. Are you talking DIY? Like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, even I, I think even in a more professional situation because we've all been in a few. We've we've been to some professional recording studios. You know, yep. we're not amateurs, but I always found that the headphone mixes in the recording studio, especially when you're in the live recording room, when I'm playing yeah, drums yeah. or you're playing guitar, no matter where we went, the headphone mix was was horrible. Where like my drums sound like shit. Your guitar sounds like shit. I'm not feeling creative. I'm not. I'm feeling inhibited. Just like this well, is what we sound yeah. like. But and I noticed a lot of some recording studios on, on the more budget affordable level, the headphone mixes were always lacking. So, right. but I, I do think for I like the stuff we we've done for you and me. There's times I'm wearing headphones. But most of the time, I'm not wearing headphones. I'd rather hear it live coming out of the mix. I but, think it's uh, more DIY, of a, like when you're recording at home, yeah, you got to have the headphones on. I mean, you know, because you do the direct box. And, uh, well, I, I won't do that because I, <clears throat> I have studio monitors. Because even though I'm using a direct box, I, I'd yeah. rather hear it coming at me. And yeah, I think they're yeah. more. I mean, sometimes you don't have that luxury, but yeah, I understand. Sure. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What was what was this? What what is this Bloors to cult stuff that you're? Uh, hey, look, put me was, on. Was talking about, Mark was talking about BOC while I was in aisle thirteen. No, no but I don't know. Lou, he just held up some uh, some swag. Lou, I still every day when I get up and I'm off from work and I want to play a CD, still this goddamn BOC. I still play them every day, okay. long as I'm away. Q, my new. F- yeah. <laughs> My new favorite album is Revolutions by Night. The first song is a stellar song. Aldo Nova co-wrote right. it. That was yeah. Quincy Jones did that song, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait. We're cross-pollinating. What, what, what thing was I singing? Was that Sanford and Son? Yes. I think Quincy Jones. I think Quincy Jones did that, right? That was Quincy Jones and Well, his nickname is Q. Q. So when I say Q, I didn't mean, you know, any other Q thing that... Oh, no, we wouldn't ever want to entertain Or Star Trek. Star Trek. Remember the evil Q, the Star Trek protagonist? There's a lot of evil Qs in the world. Oh, sure. Mark, you mentioned the Revolution by Night. That was the first Blue Easter Cult album. 
without after Al- Albert Bouchard. Yeah, yeah. Now, Take Me Away was a song I was wearing when I went to the Oriental Luau with my old band, and I drank 15 Suffering Bastards. And when I went home, I vomited in my sleep. And my Walkman was on my chest. And I woke up. My Walkman was covered in vomit. I was covered in vomit. And my did you have and, strings like the strings? I, 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 that. I heard that story. I ain't no I, band leader. <laughs> I heard that story. Yeah. Anyway, it's not a bad album. It's not a bad album. That guy was no substitute for Albert Bouchard. Okay, yeah. so you have the Bloister Cult memory making you vomit. And I have the Michael Stipe memory. When I had too much to drink at the uh, rehearsal right. studio, I had peppermint schnapps, and I go home, and REM are on SNL, and they're doing What's the Frequency, Kenneth? And That's right. He's jumping around the stage with his bald head, and I'm following it, and all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> so Michael Stipe, I can't hear that song to this day. <laughs> Rumpelmans. <laughs> I, don't drink, I don't drink. I'm sober. <laughs> Good for you. I don't, drink, I don't drink liquor. I drink non-alcoholic wine. Liquor in the front, poker in the rear. Oh, oh, come on. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Not worthy. <laughs> I beat you, Perry. I beat seven you. Seven second delay. That's terrible. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that's a good podcast, seven second you know delay. <laughs> Perry, Perry's being European. He's coming in behind the beat. That's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like Ringo. He's like yep. Ringo. He's fucking Charlie Watts. Yep. <laughs> I got something I was thinking about. Well, yeah, it's what Easter, were you looking right? up on your phone before? You said you're going to have something, right? <laughs> it's it's a song. It was a song. Yeah. It, it, it is a song. Now, I was thinking, this is Easter, right? There are songs within it. Was, it? There are many songs with the name of Jesus in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, Doobie Brothers, Jesus, Jesus is Just All Right. Uh, Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ by Big Star. Jesus mm-hmm. by The Velvet Underground. And I think they're overrated. I think The Velvet Me too. Underground. I think they're very overrated. Um, let's see. You got a Tom Waits um, in there? Chocolate Jesus. Chocolate Jesus. Did yep. you have, did you did you have a Jesus list, Perry? No, I don't, but I, okay. I know I have all Tom Waits. Records, I got one so, song. Okay. I got I got one song. Go for it's it. got great lyrics. Jesus He Knows Me by Genesis. Great lyrics. Oh wow, okay. Read by the Genesis. lyrics. It's poetry. It's about televangels. Okay. Now Chocolate Jesus by Tom Waits was covered by Joe Bonamassa. Oh, um, really? Jesus Christ Superstar, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, yep. Great song. Um, now, there's this band. There's some contention about this, this other band, whether they were called Edenville or The Verbs, whatever. But they had a song. Sometimes it was called Farview. Sometimes it was called The Jesus Song. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully. And who wrote like that this. song, by the way, Lou? Um, now, initially, initially, I'm going to tell you a story. You brought this song to me, Perry. Mm-hmm. And you said, I, I got the song going on. A friend of ours said that he wrote this with you. Evidently, he did not. So there were some lyrics, and I added some lyrics to it. And this, I, uh, I know this. I will, we'll play it yeah. on the radio show. But uh, I wrote the song in my living room on my couch. Okay, I had a verse and a half and the chorus, and you filled out the rest. Yep. Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. I, I hope this plays. I'm going to try this out. So I'm going to call it. For this version, you know, this wasn't, we didn't call it the Jesus song because I didn't know this was like written before me. So my band, the Edenville band called it Farview. We, you call it the Jesus song. It's the same song. And it goes something like this. Something like this. Come on. Ah, oh, talk amongst yourselves. There we go. Jesus. 
side of the road. This could please us. A devil of honesty and pain. I'm never going there again. Play the scene. Last night I saw Jesus. In a phone booth, I don't know what it means. I think this could please us. Do, 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 do. Wolves are coming. <laughs> Is that you and Perry's version? I was going to do my light. <laughs> we're, we're the Donnie Darko bunny up there. <laughs> um, th- that's a version Edenville recorded in the studio. Perry and I wrote it, um, but um, that's a version Who's Perry's it? not on. That was me. Now th- that's that sounds. It sounded speeded up a little bit. I was I was, also, I was a young. I thought man. it was Perry second. I really did for a second. Maybe it was. You guys sound very similar when you sing, you know. Oh, cool. To me, to my ears. Okay. That's because the ghost in you. Don't fade. So th- that was a song that goes back to the late 90s, I think. Right, Perry? Uh, I have song. trouble gauging that anymore. But uh, Yeah, I, I think so. I think, well, actually, well, the Edenville CD came out in 98, so that was like mid-90s. Yeah. Well, but, um, we'll, we'll yeah. hash that out in court. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. We'll settle. Mm, we'll settle. Music relish lawsuit. That's right. That's, oh, Mark. Mark, that's great. That's great. <laughs> well, can I be Judge Judy? When you and I sue each other. Which one of you assholes <laughs> says you wrote it? Get <laughs> we can both play it on guitar, so it's be hard to prove. Lou then will when not, you try Lou to will not all, perjure himself, so you know, the truth shall uh, set you free. You know? <laughs> I, I, was misled, I was misled on that originally a little bit. Well, anywho, yeah. two hours, guys. Hey, that's great. That went by in like a minute. I shouldn't have peed. I could have waited. Well, can, can we keep in a kind of a creepy, cheesy vein and like go creepy Christian album titles? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, this album's called Joy Joy. Uh, the band was called the <laughs> Afternoon Tea Baggers. <laughs> Where are you finding this stuff, man? <laughs> uh, are they from Texas? In prison? Give me a T for Texas, a T for teabagging. I find them on the dirty side of the curb. Um, this one's called, um, this is from. <laughs> Line up the nose, it's coming. Uh, Butch Yelton and Upbound, it's called Swing That Gospel Axe. Jesus. Okay, this one's called You Can Touch the Lord by Ron Post. <laughs> Jesus, use me. By Little Richard Miller, and I saw the album cover. He has no arms and no legs. So he's oh, sitting on a piano. Okay. Um, oh, do God. you do you want to touch me? By Johnny Carroll. I thought that was um, Joan do Jett. Do you want to touch me? Yeah. Do you want? <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. Um, how far is it to hell? By D- the Dan Schaefer slash three. As far um, as your local bar is. 
Okay. I've tasted and I know the Lord is gold. Oh gosh, man. <laughs> the wrath buns. It's not the wrath burns, it's the wrath buns. No, honey, that's your pastor. It ain't I, mean, I, I, th I think I mispronounced it. It's I've tasted and I know the Lord is God. Okay. Um your pastor told you that's what um sounds of his coming. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel airs trio. It's a must. <laughs> Um, this one's called, uh, we, we, we've seen this guy's album covers before. If I were a woman by Ira North, I don't know what that means. As far as goes. They're real. They it's mean it. <laughs> they mean it. Um, let's see. Reach out and touch me. Uh, this was by the teen challenge trio. Oh God. Oh yeah. God. Okay. Let me touch him by the minister's quartet. And that was the minister talking to the album. Oh, oh, exactly. Until he comes by Rick Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> so it says the altar boy. Uh, um, oh, this is going bad. This, this, is this, going is, south. This, this one's horrible. He touched me by Greg Kendrick. It looks like he's 11 years old. Oh, I'm covered. This is so bad. Um, and my last, this is like a, a more upbeat. Jesus and Superman by the Reverend Danny Nance. That was more positive upbringing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, you were mentioning musical trivia, Perry, before. Um, the Minette Special, that old TV show from the 70s, yeah, their yeah. pilot episode. August 19th, 1972, my 11th birthday. Um, I watched part of it. It's a great show. It's a great show. Mark's Who was got on? Midnight Specials. Who was on? Not in this order, either. It was um, John Denver was the host. Um, Argent, they played Hold Your Head Up. They played it Hold Your great. Head Up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Harry Chapin. Uh, David Clayton Thomas of Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Yep. Cass Elliott. Um, the Everly Brothers. The Isley Brothers, Helen Reddy, she looked good, <laughs> and um, Linda Ronstadt and War. Did she touch you? <laughs> <laughs> she is woman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I let something personal out there, and you jumped on it. <laughs> Fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> but no, Mark, Mark was holding him. The minute special was a, a 70s rock and roll show that was on either. I think it was Friday night. Yeah. I yeah, think Don Kirsten was Saturday. It was we could, we could see like current bands. Yeah. You could see films live. of bands. Concert. Live. Live. Yeah. Live. live yeah. yeah. It was produced by a guy named Burt Sugarman. Yes. Yep. It was Burt yep. Sugarman's midnight special. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it was. Now, the minute special theme, we talked about that last week, too. Johnny Rivers. Um, yeah. Johnny Rivers. Perry. Yeah. 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 Yep, on the old Lead Belly song. Yep. 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 Now, well, I, I got I, I, in the in intro, I'm sorry, Mark. Um, John, Denver was John Denver was talking about signing people up for voter registration. Really interesting. Wow. That's wow. illegal now. <laughs> 72, right? 1972. Wow. The show yeah. goes back that far. So, uh, yeah, I'm holding I, up. I got one. I got just like performances, but I got the best one. This one I have has Rick Dees and his cast of idiots doing Disco Duck. And Keith Carradine. I'm easy. Keith Carradine sang. Yeah, yeah. He was an actor. Yeah, he's one of the, Did Carradine, know that. Uh, the Carradine brothers. Their father was an actor, John Carradine. He, okay. Yeah, these are all shrink wrapped. I'm going to have to open them up and listen to them. Yeah, there's good live recordings. So let me, uh, why don't I kick in the closing theme? Yeah, we lost Lou. Damn it. Yep. Well, anyway, it was a good hey, gig. It was a great show, man. It was, it was a, a great good show. show. I love doing it with you guys. It's my Sunday night therapy. With, uh, it starts the week off right. With Mark, Lou, and Perry. Yeah. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. And, Screw uh, you. <laughs> so uh, 
Yeah, so uh, I read that Oasis was going to get back together. You know? I, and, I knew uh, it was going to happen. Yep. So there was that, uh, that you know, Scott McLean and Jack Calabrese from Milk Crates and Turntables. One of them's going to have to buy the tickets when, yep. they, when they do a show. Yep. Everything's great until a guitar solo comes. I'm never going to stop saying that. Well, that was actually the first recording we did down by Lou's uh, Single Wide Sound, right? Yep. Yeah. That was a great, great weekend. Yeah. That was 10 years ago, wasn't it? Shit. Buddy. We saw Buddy. Yep. Uh, 10 years ago. Don't have to say much because if you're listening now, you've been listening to us, but you do want to check us out. We're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Pod Chaser, Overcast, YouTube, Amazon Music, and on Facebook, the Facebook page. I will try to put all the links of stuff we talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. What's on your shirt, Perry? What band is that? R.E.M. Michael Stipe. Oh, shit. Yep. Oh, wait, I'm going to vomit. Wait, Mike Bills, Peter Buck. Yep. Oh, okay. It looks I, like Stipe I, has I made hair. The, I made the shirt. Nice shirt. Yeah. Taking my notes down from tonight. Yeah, it was uh, a good gig. And that's all the news fit to print. So uh, we lost Lou at the right time, just at the end of the show, you know? Yeah, but he's got to be there for the ride out. Man, I'm bummed. Here we go. We're hey, gonna, he made it two hours. We're going to fade out, yeah. And how's uh, how's Tom Spallone doing? Is he, uh, is, has he moved yet? No, he's about to move, and that's yeah. why he hasn't done anything. He's going to get settled in. I'd like to try to get him on the show. Well, anyway, uh, there's a great podcast out there, uh, Milk Crates and Turntable, with uh, Scott McLean and Jack Calabrese. Been honored to be a special guest on the last couple of weeks. Well, good night, everyone. Good night.